A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. My phone down, so we won't get an echo this time. Get, see, one, one little 1% marginal gains exactly. every, every time, like, Craig, Cl- like Clive Woodward said back in 2003. Right, let's do this. Are we going? We're going. Hello, Egg Chasers. This is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. And we are back in the rugby dungeon. Uh, and we're also um, currently streaming on YouTube, where we have a channel going uh, right there. JB and I have been putting some videos up, and every weekend, as we are here every Sunday night, uh, we're here and live on YouTube. So uh, thank you very much to people watching already. Um, can I just ask as well, is the sound level okay? Because just, just checking, just asking politely. I think it is. I'm, I'm so sure we'll, we'll see. Well, I'll keep an eye on the messages. But um, uh, that's JB there. Hello, Tim. Sorry, sorry, I, mean, sorry I was dragging you away from a CrossFit WOD video. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of CrossFit WOD videos <laughs> this week. I'm, I'm in CrossFit, CrossFit, CrossFit. I'm going to say CrossFit a lot today uh, at 6am tomorrow, and I can't think about anything else. Um, and Phil, um, you haven't had your haircut yet? Not yet. What are you going to do with it when you do? What are you going to ask for? Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of, I feel attached to it. Like every time I've grown a beard, I don't really like having a beard. But then I feel like, I feel always feel reluctant to get rid of it. Um, Almost like you should be um, waiting for an event to do it. Yeah. Like a reason. Exactly. And right now I don't have an event other than I look ridiculous wearing a suit and tie uh, with this hair. With it, I like, don't know. I think it'll kind of cool. Well, it's, it's, the, right. it's at the back where it's like dangling down over my shirt collar. I, and, I and want a crowdfund for the Exeter Chiefs barber to, uh, <laughs> to make a tri- trip to the northwest. Wow. Yeah. Imagine that. Get, well, after his kick, I think. We're living in a Johnny Hill universe now. Get his, oh, uh, get his yes. mullet. Well, didn't he? Yeah. Goodness me! Uh, unbelievable! What a weekend of rugby we got to talk about. So good, and a week of rugby in general. To be fair, yeah, an absolutely incredible week. There is so much good stuff to talk about. I, I'm, I've been excited about doing this podcast all day because I've just been, um, I've just been full of like zest for rugby. Zesty rugby, love Z- it. Yeah, no, <laughs> no ge- genuinely because, and I think it's. So I spent today, uh, took my son Louie to mini rugby and I stood out in the sunshine watching the lads. They had an absolutely awesome time chatting to the parents and the people you get at rugby clubs are amazing. I just had the best day. So, well, best weekend, which started with 
Bristol versus Exeter. Incredible yeah. game. And, and then today, I've just had a day at a rugby club in the sunshine, watching a load of under-13s, having an amazing time, standing with the parents, having a laugh. And it's just one of those times right. when, when you're around a rugby club again, you just get reminded of the the people in rugby are just really special. Yeah, well, I did something very similar to you. I was at Talk H, went for a beer in the gorgeous sun. Uh, obviously, full social distancing was definitely... Definitely applied. Um, very, very cautious. Then went into the wonderful town of Didsbury. Mm. Uh, a Negroni. Is very that? nice. Did you find somewhere that would uh, serve you a Negroni? Yes, we did. Everywhere so, is every single bar I've been past it is heaving. Yeah, there is moment. a bar in Didsbury called Head of Steam. I think it's like a, a chain. Yeah, like craft craft ale place yeah. generally. And you can only you can order, only order one of three things. Craft ale. No, the most expensive pint. <laughs> okay. The Cyrus pints. Yeah, or the highest IBU pint. That's the yeah. thing, and you got to draw it out of lots. Oh, I had something from there that was over a hundred IBU, and it, it was uh, pretty bitter. <laughs> it's safe to say. I think with the IBU, it's like the opposite to the Richter scale. Like the higher the IBUs go, the less of a marginal difference it makes. Oh, I don't know. I, like uh, seven, 60, 70 a kind of regular drink. I don't mind it, but the one that I had that was over a hundred was it. It's it, was al- it, it was almost undrinkable. Yeah. Well, judging by our Twitter account, and uh, we've had a lot of people who've been having a Negroni in the sunshine. Well, oh. I had something else too. Uh, a friend of the pod, Lorcan, uh, told me to go and buy Lilette Blanc. I think it's called Lilette, L- Lilette, something like that. Is that a- so Lilette was, is, a, is, is, a, a, is a little tampon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. It is Lilette. Well, uh, is, that, is that a new drinking vessel? It is. <laughs> Buff, buffalo tap, 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 yeah, so tap after you finish. You absorb, you absorb <laughs> yeah. the liquid and then dangle it into your mouth. Just wring it yeah, out yeah, into yeah. the mouth. It's absolutely delicious. <laughs> um, yes, it is a French aperitif. Mm, very, very, very nice. nice. So I had some of that in the park, like uh, like a homeless person would. I guess. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to start uh, the podcast with something. Uh, bear, bear with me. Bear with me, please. Won't, won't take a second. Won't take a second. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. See that Wayne Barnes didn't give a penalty. He won the ball cleanly. That's when he won. Turn over ball. Let the boys play. Yes, Hugo. Yes, Hugo. Welcome aboard, Hugo. Welcome to the LTBP community, Hugo. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Love it. Uh, where, where do you want to start? Like, rather than going through the news, I, I, I've got it all written down in front of me. I can make sure we weave through all the talking points. But can we talk about Bristol Exeter just to kick off? Yeah, I think yes, because it was so good. Yeah, and this was like. As close to international quality as you, you'd get from a Premiership game, um, certainly in a season without Saracens, it was re- a really high standard. And we saw why Exeter are so good because yeah. they, they nullified what is a superb Bristol team. Um, attacking threats right across the back line, really well organised pack, good runners. And Bristol team admittedly missing a couple of players, um, missing in, missing Nathan Hughes, missing Randrandra. But Callum Sheedy. And Callum Sheedy, of course, with Mullins playing 10. But still a very good Bristol team. Um, and Exeter did ultimately beat them up. Um, yeah. And, and showed, yeah. showed their, Exeter showed their class in this game. Did you see the Joe Joyce tweet straight after the game? Yeah, fair, yeah. fair play. They Exeter are, are nails. Yes, yeah. they are. He summed it up perfectly, didn't he? Yeah. Absolutely yeah. perfectly. I wonder two things. Um, first of all, is this what international rugby would look like if international rugby was a higher standard? So international rugby is the higher standard, but because those teams are together less frequently, 
and they have last chance to work on the combinations and how the style of play and all the rest of it. That the club that they play a more physical brand because the physical rugby is the easiest way to win a win a game. So if you don't, only have limited time together with big men, what what are you going to do? You're going to try and get over the game. And it seemed that these two teams were doing that, but they're maybe five percent off that international quality physicality because they have other things to do as well. Maybe the way to reduce physicality in international rugby is to have them together for longer, for more time. And and actually, a, a kind of piece of evidence that would support that would be look at Japan. Yes. Now, yes. J- Japan, they had a huge period of time together, both before 2015 and the 2019 World Cups, which they um, did exceptionally well at. And now they did play a less physical brand of rugby. How? What's the contr- the biggest contributing factor to that? Is it the fact that they had all the time together and therefore they could hone all those skills? Or is it the fact that they on average have a smaller team and a smaller pack and they have to work on the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and I would I would say that because it isn't that Japan went, well we could we could match them physically, yeah, but yeah, let's try let's Africa. try something different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well if you can beat someone phys- well and that's almost what happened in this game, which was extra like, well we can do it your way for a little bit, see how all that yeah, works yeah. out. That worked out fine. Now let's do it our way. And everything tightened up and it shows the variety of ways that Le- um, Leicester Exeter can play. And Bristol just aren't quite there yet. They remind me a lot of a team like Exeter a few, from a few years ago, learning how to win these big games. And I didn't see all of the... Uh, what's the game they played against the French team? Too long? Uh, oh, Bordeaux. Oh, Bordeaux. 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 Didn't see all that game, but it wouldn't <clears> surprise me if that was the same approach which Bordeaux took against them, which was big, physical. And once they don't... Once they don't win physically, they really struggle with their shapes out wide. And when they struggle with their shapes out wide, well, what do they have left? So, yeah, against Bordeaux, Bordeaux's defence... So they were very physical and their defence was excellent and really well drilled. As was Exeter. Exeter's defence was incredible. Like, if you actually look at where Bristol scored and how, how deadly they are, it took unbelievable levels of individual skill to cross Exeter's try line. Oh, completely. Completely. That's the only way Bristol could, which is the highest praise you can you can give to Exeter. Well, I think that, that it needed Charles Pietau, ridiculous, outrageous game-breaking yeah, talents. It, it needed something which you can't coach. Yeah, yeah. And the the and the urine try was a little bit of that, where it was mm. he was basically tackled but stayed on his feet and then steps and accelerates but, away. And also from from a break, Pietau made from inside his own twenty-two. Yes. Oh, yeah, I forgot yeah. That. I was thinking that their first try was an, it was an intercept. It wasn't. It was a phenomenal try by Euron. Yeah, it was scrum, scrum inside their own twenty-two. Piatal bursts up the left-hand side, brings in Adia Loken back to Piatal. He gives it to Euron. Amazing finish from Euron. So a guy who I think would have made a material difference to this scoreline is Nathan Hughes. And I don't often say that. I don't think Nathan Hughes is the most high-end eight, but he does get them over that game line. He and does. Everything would have become a lot more fruitful for them should they have that little bit more time to play with and a little bit more go forward ball for their shapes and, and he's huge as and well which, which helps when you're playing against Ten, Exeter tends to help uh, Anthony Jempson on the live chat has said and this is an amazing stat um, and, and hi Ed as well he said yeah glad to see Tim got the shorts memo this week yeah, I did. <laughs> uh, Anthony Jempson says uh, 50 minutes before Exeter gave away a penalty wow uh, and also I, I've mentioned in the last few weeks about <laughs> 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 um, he's getting a charger for the Mevo, so we don't cut out. I think. Hopefully. Okay. Um, no, I've mentioned this a few times recently. How broadcasters, BT Sport included, stopped using the ball in play statistic because it is just quite an embarrassing statistic in a lot of cases. Mm. That's still the case within the game. However, uh, 
the ball in playtime because of Ali Yeakin's picture of the stats on his screen at the end of the match, the commentator. The ball in playtime of 41 minutes in this game is huge. Which, which is huge compared to often 26 to 32 yeah. minutes generally. Yeah. So a Massive improvement. And part of that, and I think also the reason for the penalty count, is part of that is Wayne Barnes lets stuff go where he can. Yes. Lets the boys play. And also... Wayne Barnes is absolutely amazing at being a proactive referee, using words efficiently to to stop him needing to blow the whistle. Some people would say he's a bit loose. I love it. Yeah, and, and that there was an interesting debate, uh, JB. I think when you interviewed um, JP Doyle, yes, about how much um, how much coaching a referee should do, because they've yeah, got to give a- enough information for the players to be able to make a decision so the game flows because yeah. if you don't tell them anything they're just going to keep infringing when they shouldn't do but you can't give too much because if you're certainly if you're doing it more to one team than the other you're actually giving an unfair advantage to one team you're you're preventing them from having um, enough penalties and I think Barnsley does it just about right he is he's, he's incredibly clear incredibly concise and he does it at the right times to give the yeah. players enough information to be able to make a decision whether to continue or stop and if they continue, their fault. It's a penalty. And if they um, play on, or if they, if they do stop, it's um, play on for the boys. Let the boys play. Indeed, yeah. I thought he did well. Thought he was very, very well. Uh, and um, what one thing that happened today in the Wasps Bath game is, and it made me think again back to Friday night and just why Wayne Barnes has been the best ref in the world for you know a decade now. He he only. He chooses when things have a material effect. There was one penalty that was given against Bath where it was for going off your feet at a ruck when no Wasp player was defen- was was attacking the ruck. And actually, whether the Bath player was on his feet or not made no difference to yeah. who, who was going to win that ruck. Didn't deny Wasp an opportunity. And that's the sort of stuff that Wayne Barnes just says, fine. Yeah, it doesn't make a material on. difference. Crack on. And I've said it a yeah. lot of times. If you don't go up in the line out, there can't be a not straight. It shouldn't be a not straight. Yeah. Well, it should have to be so outrageously yeah. yeah. straight. Outside shoulder. Yeah. Yes, I, I'm. I'm really happy with both of those because it, it it frustrates you so much as a fan watching a game. A team's got attacking ball. There's a minor indiscretion at a rook. There is a technically an indiscretion in line with the laws, but again, has no material effect. We should just let the boys play. Yeah, like really. Yeah. Uh, right. Here's a question: Who was Gatlin there to see most at Ashton Gate on Friday night? Right. Call <laughs> me a mental conspiracy theorist. We um, we often do. Yes. <laughs> feel free to file this under uh, Eddie Jones's political uh, dual nationality selections. Well, uh, it's not Q and on anymore. JB and on. Yeah, yeah. JB and on. I think he is going to take Simmons. I am convinced. Johnny Hill's got to go, right? Johnny Hill has to go because Johnny Hill. No, locks are stacked. He's locks not going. So lock, no, so uh, I've, I've been looking at the numbers that he took. He took five five locks to New Zealand. Who are your best locks? Marrow. Yeah. Alan Wynn. Uh huh. James Ryan. James Ryan. Possibly. Uh, Tyg Byrne would be one of the ones that's either I, or. So I would. I would have both James Ryan and Tyg James Byrne. Ryan and Tyg Byrne. Also, I Hendo. He's in with a shout. What, what, what's, what's Hendo's size? Because he's like a back row, second row, isn't he? I don't but he's, he's Hendo's just, big. He's just got like mute strength. He yeah. looks like a giant baby, but he's he's got like Cor- Corny's got to go. 
Uh, well, I would, but his, Courtney, his Courtney fitness could be an issue. I would, I would take Courtney. Of course, um, he's going to go. Of course, I, well, I would actually, of course, he's going to go. I would have taken. Don't want to hear it. I would have taken Joe Launchbury, but I'm, yeah. heartbreakingly, it looks yeah. like he's injured. I, I and think, I, and I would have taken um, Chris Worry in the country. And, and we're already up to about eight there. <laughs> no. So there's no chance Johnny Hill's going. Well, I think he is because no. he's a big man, and they need big locks. So Adam Beard as as well could be a. Contender. He's off to Australia. Is Adam Beard? Sorry, no. no. Uh, James Jake Ball is Jake, off to Australia. Jake Ball is, yeah. 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 Completely, fake news. Uh, <laughs> a, Johnny Hill played well. He, he did, Johnny Hill's a great player. He's an option at 10. He, he played well. He, he's, he's definitely... <laughs> hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. He played well against Bristol. But he's very good. No, he's very good. He, he, at times, was not great for England. At times, he was very good for England. But this is why I'm so heartbroken for Joe Launchbury, because he was the England's best player by a mile in the autumn. So and he talking, missed out on the six. I was nations. talking to two players about tight headlocks today. Right? Mm. I won't tell you who the first player is because he's still playing, and the second player doesn't play. And I can tell you, I was talking to James Haskell about this, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I wasn't even aware that that was, re- was really a thing. We need, like, to, we need to get the bell back. Oh, yeah. We need to yeah. get the bell back. Ding. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah, me. I was like, yeah, me too. But it definitely is a thing. So Mario is about the same size as as Courtney. So yeah, Marrows are relatively light. Yeah, they're not big. And that's why they play... <sighs> Mate, I've stood next to him. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so I know it's all relative. Eben et Sabeth. Yeah, yeah, I, I get exactly. it. I get it. Yeah. I exactly. mean, they're, they're not that big. Uh, Tag Burn, not that big. No. Yeah. Um, Which is why you could see those being taken... Those three specifically, Marrow, Courtney and Ty Burn, being taken as a six-slash-second row. Yeah. Because yeah. They, they are big for sixes. And then you've got... A well, you got Henderson, who is actually a bigger lad, but again he's, he's a eight, six. eighteen and a half stone. Yeah, he. So then you're looking at Launchbury. Well, he could be done. Johnny Hill's massive. Johnny Hill's not going. Gray, I think Gray's an excellent player. Does lots of hard work. But I like, don't think Johnny Gray's. I don't think either of the extra locks are going to go. Yeah, but Johnny Hill does seem to outplay Johnny Gray. But is that because Johnny Gray is allowing Johnny Hill to play? There's a bit of that. Because maybe, yeah, maybe the way that Exeter shape up, you quite often find one of their like a couple of their one of their locks and um, one of their back rows always in the fifteen channel, and Johnny Gray doing all his work just hitting rucks and hitting yeah. tackles all day long in between the fifteens. I mean, I, you could do worse than taking the Exeter pairing on mass, <laughs> and then you've got James Ryan again, not a massive lock. Yeah, I think of him as being big because he is tall. He's six eight, hmm. but he's not. I've just looked him up. He's 116 kilos, so a touch over 18 so stone. So Beth is about 125, and as is Lude. They might even yeah. be bigger than that. I mean, they're, they're just enormous. And then you've got uh, Peter Steph to toy. Oof, oof. Well, <laughs> this is part of the reason I said who's Gatlin there to see most. Oh, yeah, sorry, so I've not actually answered that. No, 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 that's fine. That's but fine. Sam, Sam Simmons. Well, yeah, you say that. I... I, I, I'm right. So I, I, I think on, I think he will be looking at Sam Simmons. Yeah, that doesn't mean he's going to pick him. Yeah, he will be looking at. Well, they said what was it, fifty-four players on the first um, coaching discussion, something like that. They'll be looking at more players than that because mm. there are so many players who could. Agreed, but this is where the conspiratorial thing comes in. Oh I yeah, we, we JB and on. I on. think he's done it, or he's going to do it. Effectively to show up Eddie Jones. I think there is like a personal battle going <laughs> And he's going to say, look, I'm going to take this guy on a Lions tour. So when Simmons comes back, Eddie Jones is going to have one hell of a conundrum. Like, well, Sam Simmons started as a Lion, so why can't you start him in the England team? He oh, well, did it mate. with Jamie George four years ago, didn't he? Yeah. Mm. Jamie George wasn't starting England hooker when he went with the Lions. And then it's yeah. going to put all sorts of pressure on 
all sorts of pressure on Jones. Hmm. Unless it backfires and goes terribly like Sam Simmons against France a few years. Was it against France? He, it was he had a Six Nations so game where been, he was... Did he start at seven or did yeah, he come off the bench? He, he started about two or three games in that Six Nations championship. He looked awesome against Italy. Italy yeah, and then he got, and then he, he got his pants pulled down against France. Now... I love Sam Simmons, right? Yeah, I think he's absolutely yeah. brilliant. Explosive, his work rate is incredible. And in that Exeter team, they play a game and slot him in in a way that makes the very best of the talents that he has. Mm. But if we're talking back rows and we're talking number eights and we're talking going up against South Africa, you already mentioned Peter Steftatoy. I'll add in Dwayne Vermarlin and Eben Etzebeth and stuff. Just think back a couple of weeks and Jack Conan bullied Sam Simmons. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying Sam Simmons is not an outstanding player. He is. But if I was looking at that, which is even closer to test level, Leinster v Exeter was even closer to, to test level than Bristol Exeter. Like um, Sam Simmons was up against, and no disrespect to these guys, they're outstanding professionals, Jake Heenan, Dan Thomas, whereas he's going to be up against Dwayne Vermarlin, Peter Steftatoy. It's going to be difficult. And one, Khaleesi. And, and well, you're getting into the realms of Hamish Watson territory here, aren't you? Which is one hell of a player. But if, like, I know this might be a bit of an obsession now, looking at the weights of locks. But <laughs> if you are going to have smaller guys, man for man, you're going to have to try and make it the weight somewhere with a bigger average. You're going to have to up your average somehow. And I don't see how Simmons fits inside the same as Hamish Watson. So even if you have three locks. With one, with one sitting at six, you're still probably a bit smaller than the South Africans. Yeah, and the the size thing though, it, it can become an obsession, and like, like I, I, I do sense. tend to think of it. But if you look at, say, the last ten years of the rugby championship, New I think South Africa might have won it once. They New Zealand have won it seven or eight times out of that ten, and they're, they're consistently giving away a significant margin in weight in the pack. But to link it into something I said earlier on. When you're the Lions and you don't have time to work on your combinations, like New Zealand pull all their players from five different teams. They mostly know each other. They get a lot of time together. That's how the whole system is set up yep. for New Zealand. They can play lots of different ways. The Lions have got six weeks to work out a way to play. And the yep. easiest way to play is brute physical strength. Or just pick everyone from one team. Or pick Leinster, which they could pick, nearly do. Yeah. Well, pick no, everyone from Leinster well, and Exeter. I, I guess my point on Sam Simmons wasn't to sort of say Sam Simmons can't or shouldn't be selected. It was more to say, and picking up on the, the fact there are so many locks, that there's going to be some outstanding players not taken. You yeah. know, I, I would say, in terms of pure form, both Six Nations and Heineken Champions Cup, Jack Conan. I mean, Why not? Uh, well, Why no, not? all I'm saying is, like, yes, it's, it's very easy for us with our... You know, watching the Gallagher Premiership every week and seeing how good Sam Simmons is going. Well, Sam Simmons is going. Well, my, I guess I'm just saying, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if he if he wasn't selected. If he, I think, he, of course, he'll be considered. But if he wasn't selected, and and the reason I asked the who was Gatlin there to see, I think the person he was there to see most, uh, Luke Cowan-Dickey, and we know he loves Jack Knoll. Yeah. Well. Yeah, Luke Cowan-Dickey. I think. I think he's. he's on the I, th- play. I think he's actually the most important player. What did um. He Pat, sets the tone so much. Pat, Pat Lamb spoke a bit about Simmons in his press conference this week. Oh, did he? Yeah, he said, uh, basically, the thing that impresses him, all the praise he had for Sam Simmons, is not how, not that he's not selected, it's that how he reacts to not being selected week in, week out. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think there is, there is something to that. Yeah, there, there definitely is. You you want to see that reaction, because it does, it, it sets the tone, it, it sets the character. Because yeah. if, if someone throws the toys out of the pram and says, oh, I'm off to France... 
that's one that's one reaction that's a great if, shout you if know if you if you knuckle down and work even harder then oh, that's, that's a great shout and if you, you were ta- if you were going away for six weeks and you knew you wanted someone that was going to take you know the old Ruddy R Kipling thing somebody meets with triumph and disaster and meets those two imposters the same that's like Sam Simmons brings that to life doesn't yeah. he uh, can I just talk about um, very much in the mould of Rob Baxter I might add I just want to <laughs> talk about a thing which I found today uh, this is a little bit off on tangent have you read Charlie Morgan's article? It was a few weeks ago now, I think, about Eddie Jones in Reds. <laughs> I saw you post this, and I wow, and how much you love it because it's, jo- it's so scathing of Eddie Jones. I it's thought. not, it's not, it's not the scathing. It's just like the story. Yeah. Like I, I love the complexity of Eddie Jones. You've got to get, got to hand him that. He's a novel character, and I just it's a wonderful, wonderful piece. It's a long old read though, so get yourself a coffee. Uh, I think you might, it might be behind a pay, paywall actually, but it, I think the paywall. Buying the paywall for the Telegraph for that alone is worth it. It's absolutely <laughs> superb. Um, just on, just quickly on Exeter and tying in with the lines. You remember how we used to call Connor Murray Mini Mike? Yes. Because he was like a slightly smaller version of Mike Phillips. Slightly less handsome too. Jack Knoll is like Mini Marla. <laughs> I do know what you mean. So I always thought that he is almost like Jack Knoll, Sam Simmons and Stuart Hogg. They're sort of related in some way, aren't they? They're, they're very, exactly the yeah, they're very similar d- depths, heights, what, what weights. What weights get that? Like the 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 Exeter, the classic Exeter rump and the depth the of depth. bodies. Is it just deadlifting for days? There'll, There'll be idea. lots, lots of deadlifts. There'll be lots of big compound lifts. Mm. Lots of all the time, every day. Yeah, lots of bench, chins, shoulder press, military press. And lots of legs. Doing de- team meetings whilst doing, squats. whilst doing de- de- deadlifts. Yeah. <laughs> de- team meeting during rest. Yeah. Like, you know how uh, sort of um, uh, like Native Amer- American retreats or whatever, they'll, they'll pass a, a little, or, or, or just at, like team building communication expert type mm. things, they'll, oh, we'll hand a, we'll hand the baton to you and that yeah, means you yeah. can talk. You, when you talk at Exeter, you have to deadlift. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps it very brief and to the point. Very concise <laughs> communication. Uh, maybe not with those boys. Yeah, they some huge, powerful rumps. Yeah. Um, well, the show about this game is it didn't really matter, I don't think. Anyone think it mattered? Yeah. It, it, it matters to get top spot. Absolutely. Because Bristol were quite a long way. They were 10 or 12 points clear. I think Bristol still... I think those... I think, well... Those two definitely get top two. Yeah. Well, no, well, no. I mean, I think Go you're on. probably right, but this is why it really mattered, is Exeter are only four points ahead of Sale. Mm. And they just... Only one three, point ahead of and they just... Three points ahead of Sale. So, sorry, they're three, three points ahead yeah. of Sale, and they just won that game. So, yeah. had Exeter lost, they're looking at a last five it, games mm. going, oh, we really might not get a home semi-final. But, on the other hand, Exeter are clearly the best team in the competition. That's the other thing. So, if they're three points ahead of Sale... So what? What? You see what I mean? Yeah, but you see how that might have made a difference if yes. if they finish yeah. third and they have to go away to Sale in a semi final. Yeah. That's a big difference. Fans will be back by that point. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. All of us. Uh, all of them. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> so, well, this is it. So, yes, I, I understand your point, and I think the Premiership, uh, unfortunately, there is an element of this right now where we've got five teams gunning for four spots, but that is wide open. A, a, a couple, a, a couple of surprise losses. Sale nearly came close to losing this weekend. A, a loss where they're not expecting it, and any of those teams can drop out. Even Exeter, I don't think that will happen, but it could. And had Exeter lost at Ashton Gate, they're right in the mix with Northampton or Quinns being able to overtake them and Sale. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. 
Badgers don't think they're losing. That, that's the last thing. I, I think they're so good. They are sort of incru- they had everything under control in my mind. Whereas I'm not convinced that Sale or Harlequins have everything under control. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that point. And in with Exeter this year, they they've got a squad that is built to be able to fight on two fronts. They showed they can do it last year. They're actually not having to do it this year because of that loss to Leinster. Their, their entire focus will be on winning another Premiership. It's a little bit. It is a shame that the Premiership is not a little, little bit closer this year, because if you notice, obviously all of the teams are out of the European competitions now, which means they have two weeks break, two weeks break. Bath two and weeks. Leicester aren't, but that, yeah, Bath yeah, and Leicester, Challenge Cup, the Challenge yeah. Cup, and this means that everyone now is going full ball for the rest of the season. There is no rotation. There is no messing about. Everyone is going to be full strength from now until the season finishes. And if it's a little bit tighter, we'd have some absolutely cracking weekends coming up. Yeah. I, if it was tighter. That, if. And that's and and if there was no relegation. Sorry, if there was relegation. Yeah. Um, yeah it, it just feels like certainly anyone who can't get top six now is... is Immaterial. You've got three leagues within a league now. You've got the top five going for four spots. Yep. Then you've got that sixth place Champions Cup spot, which the next four teams yep. can challenge yeah, for. Yeah, Irish, Bath, Tigers, Wasps. Yeah, one of those will get that. I mean, unless you're a supporter of those teams, I don't think you're not watching the game going, oh, I'm really going to see how this shakes down in the battle for sixth place. Yeah. Unless and, you're a fan of one of those You teams. might actually be saying... Uh, do we have the squad right now to be competing? Yeah, I tell you what, like, on that, if you're a fan thing, I remember being at Sale, not as a fan. But <laughs> you're working, of course. And I, can't, I think they lost, maybe they lost to Leicester, but they had their basically all of their new signings out. And it depended on La Rochelle where they finished up. Oh, yeah. But uh, waiting for that European, I think they qualified at in seventh, but for Europe, maybe. Yeah, because Exeter gave the Premiership an extra. Was it? Or was it Gloucester won the yeah. Challenge oh, Cup? It, yeah, there was something, but it was something like yeah, that. Yeah, Premiership got an extra slot. It was like yeah, because La Rochelle did something the week before. But the fact that they ended up seventh when waiting for the results to come in, it was like the Oscars had been, been, been won. It was like <laughs> a, a palpable sense of anticipation in the media room, waiting for yes, we're into Europe now. So yeah. it, do, it does matter to some people. To dimes run in and pop the bubbles. No, he bought in. Who did he bring in? First time I've ever seen it. He bought John Ross into the press room. I remember. Um, oh, I was there when he announced for the following season John Ross was going to yes, be captain. I'm sure that was the same. I can't remember. I, I remember that thinking yeah. this is a little. Bit, there was still like a game or two to go, wasn't there? Or no, the, that was. Was that the final game? The most professional man in all of rugby. In all John of Ross. rugby. In John all Ross. of rugby. One of the uh, highest rates of yellow card and red cards in all of rugby. Is that right? He, he, he this season. He seems I mean, not Dylan Hartley of, levels. Come on, maybe not Dylan Hartley. Maybe not the older Northampton David Pace Ca- North- uh, and uh, Callum, former Northampton again. Northampton. Uh, Callum Callum Clark. Clark. Callum Clark. 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 Well, the the um, in the Leicester game, there was an interesting stat today that they've had more than four hours of rugby this season in the Premiership. A man down. Just that's because uh, what? That's because behaviours are changing, right? Uh, exactly. I mean, because if you have four exactly. hours of man down, maybe behaviours aren't changing. Maybe we should scrap the whole thing. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Maybe people who say changing behaviour are stupid. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe some people like incentives. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, but that, I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah, um, it, it is well, it's the equivalent of twenty-four yellow cards 
Now, I know, I know some of them have been red cards, which obviously extended periods of time, but it's a long time to wow, be playing a man down. It's hamstringing teams. It's hamstringing coaches. And it just oh, it just goes on and on. I, I really I really dislike the way the cards have been handed out at the moment. Anyway, enough of that. Um, well, yeah, and on the Premiership, just to sort of wrap that up, we've got the three teams at the bottom. And again, well, no, no, actually, I'm going to quickly jump. I want to get Phil's thoughts mm. on one thing. I, I will say uh, we're not on this podcast per se going to discuss ring fencing, uh, refer back to the Football European Super League and map it onto rugby. <laughs> we're not going to do that. Jay, but what I will say is JB and I have, have both done that um, and covered off all potential angles of all of those things on our Every YouTube channel. Angle. So if you haven't already, please hit subscribe uh, on YouTube and then uh, fill your boots watching those videos. Um, but we haven't heard sort of what Phil... So just briefly, Phil, what what did... You sort of touched on it there. It's the... the we're seeing now the impact that no relegation this season is having on the interesting yeah. games. But just this, this last week, it's sort of been a talking point. So write a reply from Phil. <laughs> well, I've, I've been enjoying your videos. Um I really enjoyed your Darren Charles ones, actually. Um, yeah, we'll get into that later. Some some, some good stuff in that. Um, on on the on the ring fencing, I I think and JB has said this a few times, not just in videos in the week, but in, in the past, there is a way to ring fence. You can do it. Look at other successful leagues that do ring fencing. However, you've got to think think it through, and you can't just click your fingers, change um, the structure of a league from a competitive relegation league to a ring fence league and expect everything to stay consistent because you you change the incentives for the teams using that using that word again and one of the incentives for that would be to um, for the, for those teams would be well you can actually start turning a profit simply by tanking your team yeah like you there is no incentive for you to be putting out the best team week on week because you've got the big tv deal the tv money which um is disproportionate to your gate receipts if you minimise the cost of your squad, you will just make more money. You'll improve your bottom line. Now, that is a rather cynical way to think about it, and I'm not suggesting that's what's going to happen, but there is a real risk of getting a, a massively uh, lopsided and uncompetitive league if you start ring fencing, and that's something that... I mean, we spoke about it on our um, ring fencing podcast. Mm. Um, that is something that really needs some very serious consideration because there's many ways you can try and square that circle... If you do nothing, if you just continue with the status quo, it will make the, the league a worse product. Yeah, I am certain, and I'm, I, yeah, I'm certain that the next measure to come in is going to be minimum salary cap spend. I think it's going to be about sixty percent of the cap, which is not enough. Yeah, I'd agree. It's, it's that's, I'd agree that's not enough. But at least, it's, at least it's a start, and I'm certain that will be happening. Well, Phil just mentioned the the ring fencing special, where we, we very pragmatically. Uh, Rather than just saying we don't want it or we do want it, we actually said here's how, here's what you need to do to make it work. And believe me, people are listening to us. A few people are listening. People, like. people are listening, and uh, and so go and check that one out and uh, check out the videos on YouTube. It was interesting you were just saying that, Phil. I, I, as you were talking, I was thinking about the few years I spent teaching, and um, <laughs> I was just thinking, I, and I won't name any names. I there were some, Mr. Roberts. I mean, but we, we, you can all remember this from being a student. From being a student, there were some dreadful teachers, and you just—oh, yeah—you don't. They will never get I, rid of them. I got in trouble the other day. Go on. 
So I did an interview as of you, and apparently you will be doing one. Too. Yeah, oh, I need to. I need to get you. Yeah. Uh, the, the the guy behind it has uh, asked for you specifically yeah. as well. So mm. there's a podcast called um, I want to say Right in the Schoolies. Is that right? Is it in the Schoolies? Right in the Schoolies. Yeah, and it's about it's interviews with various people. One of which was myself, mm. and one of which was you. Tim, has that been that been released? Not yet. No, he's keeping our ones. You know, a little bit separate because he doesn't want to. You know, yeah. wants well, to keep his power to drive it. Yeah. 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 So. Um, he interviewed me, and this went out, and I got approached by my old headmaster to say, uh, "Hang on a minute, you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't be saying these things about um, about the school." <laughs> and this is my thought. I was like, "I've not really said anything." I mean, the only thing I said bad really was the bit where we broke into the school after a night out and had a few uh, and had a few drinks. But that, that, it wasn't it wasn't bad, but it was bad enough to uh, get a reprimand. Rep- from my old... <laughs> You're still getting reprimanded yeah, still from getting the reprimanded headmaster. Old headmaster. <laughs> but, but on your point, and about by the way, you, it's you... a very very good. Very, very good rugby school now. Probably the best mm. rugby school in, if not what, definitely North Wales. Maybe even in Wales, a phenomenal mm. program. Wow, wow. Yeah, I get my, my point. I was saying is when you said you can tank a league, it was like, yeah, God. When you're a teacher, you get paid, you get you get paid uh, another grand every year, regardless of how dreadful or amazing you are. <laughs> so it just re- it actually reduces yeah. the incentive. No, the... I'm really going to put the the work in here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you, you've got to tr- you've got to avoid that because the Premiership historically has been it's been a brilliant league because it's been so com- competitive. And actually, one of the things that that happened over the last few years, um, Saracens cheating the system, may, that drove them. It's not the only thing, but that in part drove them to being so successful and winning so many league titles. If they hadn't have been gaming the system, I suspect it would have been you would see a history that is even more competitive than it actually was. Yeah. Mm. I.e. Wasp might have won that year that they got very close, or Bath might have won the year yeah. they got very close. Because some of the wins that Saracens have had, I think Saracens would still be incredibly successful. I, I, I to- totally agree. Yeah, that is yeah. not the only thing. They, and and uh, I just want to, again, we've made the point so many times, but I just make the point that the stars above their badge for Europe are legitimate. Are legitimate 100% because I'm telling you, Leinster and French teams have budgets way higher than anything Saracens yeah. ever spent. But the. Some of the margins in those finals are razor thin. Yeah, yeah. Particularly Absolutely. the one against Exeter, the re- most recent oh, one yeah. against Exeter, and against Wasps as well. Yeah. yeah. So they're all, yeah. So they might not have won those, but ultimately they might have. Well, so the, the other way that that's skewed it is watching, catching up on a little bit of Ealing and Saracens today. Saracens handily beat them. However, Ealing are a le- legitimately a good team, and mm. if it was a team like, for example, Worcester. Down in the championship, yeah, that yeah, would yeah. not be a foregone conclusion in the way that it is this year. Yeah, hundred percent. I've got to talk about Worcester because that was the most interesting press conference of the week by a country mile. The so, mid midweek one, yeah. So midweek, uh, oh, they all did their press conferences, but I did Bristol, Exeter, Bath, Leicester. I'm becoming an absolute um, an absolute hussy for these things, right? Because <laughs> just on Zoom calls, um, and Worcester. Worcester was by far the most interesting because the job that Jonathan Thomas has to do is enormous. And, he's, and they've had news this week of Nick Davis going to Quinns and it, in the rugby paper today, Nick Shonnet going to Sarah Sharks. Yeah, so obviously those, those have gone, that's a big, big loss. And Jonathan Thomas is talking about why can't the players not show that they care enough on the field, which is quite a startling thing to say. 
he did then clarify and say, no, no, what I meant is why can't they translate how much do they care onto... onto okay. Oh, okay, fine. Yeah, right. but, which is quite a different yeah. phrasing, quite, quite a different statement. Yeah, but it's worth further investigation. He's lost 20 players this year. It's his first head coach job. He's been there for two months and he has comfortably the hardest job of any director of rugby in the entire league. And he's probably got the least experience too. So my worry is going to be, if I'm a Worcester fan, I'm not going to put up with much more disappointment for longer. And he's very, very excited about all of his new signings coming up next year because they've got some good, good players, right? But how good is Duan van der Merwe if you don't have a pack? Yeah, yeah. I understand that props, that there's some significant prop signings there is, yeah. are going to be announced. Who do you reckon it could be? Uh, I don't want to say. Do you, do you, have, do you have an inkling? Um, I've heard stuff, but I'm not going to say Have you? I've heard nothing, right? Yeah. So I know absolutely nothing. All I'm going to say is there's a massive Irish prop that's not, that's not signed his contract yet. Uh-huh. Mm. It, couldn't, it couldn't, couldn't possibly be him, could it? I mean, that would be like the most enormous move I could remember. That might be the biggest move. Might even be bigger than Charles Piertel's move, that, genuinely. So a certain... Um, Potato-eating, potato-fancying <laughs> uh, yeah. Irish tight head prop. Yeah, that would be the biggest move since Carl Heyman. To Newcastle, yeah. Yeah, and I think it might be that important. If or, they did uh, it... As big as... Because the, the... Speaking of tight head props, the Sinclair move from Quinns to Bristol. That's yeah. a hell of a but steal. Bristol don't but, need Sinclair. Whereas... Yeah. Well, Worcester, yeah, they don't need him in the same way. What, yeah, yeah, quite yeah, right. Not in the same way. Like, Carl Heyman literally won games <laughs> for Newcastle because he'd win the scrum penalties and then yeah. Gopeth could kick him. I think it was a Gopeth at the time. Might uh, yeah. Was there a crossover was. with Wilkinson? Maybe there must, there must have been a crossover with Wilkinson. Yeah, maybe yeah. it was Wilkinson rather than Gopeth. Yeah, but, but either way. Yeah, so he... he Wilkinson was, and Floody, yeah, probably. They were just banging over penalties because... Now, it's slightly different because Heyman could play a lot more than Byrne could probably play because... Um, well, front row is a different animal now, and you need to rotate more. But what a signing! I mean, if that I, mean, I made I made this up. We don't know it is him, but if it was him, my word, that'd be amazing. And to be clear, I've made absolutely no comment. Yeah, just that's, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> but, but on Worcester, so this is we can talk about the game. They actually played well against Sale and pushed yeah. them very, very close and could have won. And that's to their credit. And I think Jonathan Thomas will come away from that game, bearing in mind what you said. He said in midweek, feeling a bit better. However, touching on what Phil said about the lack of relegation, actually losing in such a sort of dramatic, close fashion at home, I, I just, it's just a shame that we weren't seeing players in tears because that, that would have been basically I, them I, going, yeah. we're probably staring down the barrel of relegation. Rather than, yeah, actually, at the end yeah. of the game, they went, oh, we did really well. That was a good effort. Yeah, and, and, that's and just, on the back. And just one final thing in, in that context, Worcester, two of their victories that they've chalked up are, are COVID victories. Mm. So they are after oh, seventeen games. Yeah. This is the, this is the reality. Uh, this is the reality. They are as it stands. Not saying it will finish this way, but they are as it stands. The worst Premiership team since the second London Welsh. The first London Welsh were better than Worcester. Difficult, isn't it? Difficult. <sighs> but there again, if you want them to be better, I mean, obviously spend a day, uh, year in the Championship and come back up and spend some real money, of course. But they do need a long term to invest. If I was a Worcester fan, I'd be really worried because even with all the new players, they're going to take time to settle in. What they remind me of is a really bad version of Sale. When Sale bought in all their players, at least they had a way to win. Worcester don't have that. Now, Sale went, as did Saracens, actually, they went down the path of 
increasing the quality within your squad because I think that's the first step when you're building a squad, isn't it? You've got to increase the quality. And once that quality increases, you can then get mid-range talent for cheaper. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, yeah. You can't get mid-range. Now, their mid-range talent is going to cost them a fortune because who no, on no earth wants, wants to go to Worcester? And if their mid-range talent costs them a fortune, their high-end talent, yeah. who hard and Tio a few years ago, Milani Nani now, will cost them the earth exactly. to, to get them there. But that's what you've got to do now. This is the horrible thing about being rubbish at rugby. You've then got to spend a fortune on a handful of players to drag you up. And, and only once you're up can you then start spending less money on middle-range players. And the, the other side of it is you can create the best talent in the world and they've they've got... Nick uh, David Nick, Nick came David. through their academy. Yeah. Gone to Quinn's, age 22. And do you know why? Nick David looks, he looks flipping amazing. He's quality. Know, do you know why? Because they wouldn't, they wouldn't say this. This, this is the official line. They wouldn't give him time at time at fullback. They say, "Well, we can't guarantee you time at fullback." Whereas Quince can. What? If he's good enough, you guarantee him time at fullback, <laughs> don't you? Shilcock did look class there, and they got Nana. Nana is, but yeah, yeah. So, well, move, but, yeah, if, yeah. I mean, you want to be keeping young English talent like that. Um, the other two that I, I do hope they keep because it, it will mean they're a considerably stronger team. Two really good players in Ted Hill and Lawrence. Lauren, Ollie Lawrence. Yeah. They they are quality young English talent who yeah. have come through Worcester. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. The answer is yes. They have. They, to keep they those have guys. to keep those guys. Well, Ted Hill's captain now, isn't he? He is. And Ollie Lawrence's got to stay there. But at some point, the draw of winning stuff elsewhere, yeah. is going to get to them. So, well, that that was one thing again to go back to Bristol just very briefly. But and I, I mentioned it when I came back from Exxon Provence for that final against Toulon. And Dave Atwood really emotionally after the game going, that's the first trophy I've ever won. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. At, what Age is 33, 33 it yeah. was at the time. Yeah, Frank, and, and yeah. 33 and what, 20 to 30 England caps as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not like he's a 33-year-old kind of journeyman, average player. He has been a quality one of the best locks in the Premiership yeah. for over a decade. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm going to be watching Worcester. Very close because I think well, they're fascinating. Well, but... the only the only other talking point for, for Worcester, other than breaking into the game, which I know you will have watched, JB, is um, what's gone on with Wasps uh, posting. Okay, so oh, let, yeah. let, let me back up. Round nineteen, two weeks time, mm-hmm. uh, three three week three weekends time. Yeah. Um, because that's when the restrictions get relaxed even more, and crowds will be allowed back to Premiership grounds. 11 out of 12 Premiership clubs, as I understand it, I may be wrong on the 11 out of 12, but I believe I'm right. 11 out of the 12 Premiership clubs have said, absolutely, let's shift our games from the weekend to Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, or Monday or Tuesday, I think, basically. Yeah, yeah. So that we it can be past the date and fans can come back in. Love it. Because they'll only have, by that point, that there'll be three games left after that. So maximum two home games for any side. So let's let's make the use of one of them and get fans back in because it's been over a year by that point. Please. 11 out of 12 premiership clubs have gone with it. Worcester said no to moving it from the Saturday to the Monday. Reason being is Worcester have said that they have got uh, a rest week booked in that week. And the reason why it's important that I say this, I, I, I looked into this. Six games to go, rest week. So Worcester... There'll be three games... There'll be, there'll be two games after that. There'll be three games after that. 20, the, fi- the final three yeah. games before the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And Worcester have said they've, you know, are they, they've told the players they were having a week off so they won't move it to the Monday. I think this is a major own goal by Worcester. And as awkward as it might have been to get the odd player to, to change plans, or because there's no relegation, 
worst case scenario, you say to someone, well, okay, well, you have that week off and we'll do without you. Yeah. So in, in a few cases, if it was really important. So and, and, all... Yeah, and it doesn't actually matter to... It doesn't matter. To wash, it doesn't to matter. I mean, the only thing I'd say, it's in their credit that they're still trying to win games. And if the logic here is... It's not their home game, is it? They're away at Wasps. Exactly, yeah. So yeah, so they don't want the Wasps fans in. Yeah, but that's... But that's that is Think about really... the last year. I'd do it. It's a... <laughs> I mean, I that, would. That... <sighs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not here to do Wasps uh, favours. I think it's oh, a really bad look. Yeah. yeah maybe, I, maybe I, but you know what? It so would be, have a, have a week off. It doesn't matter. Well, but I looked into this because I wanted to have all the facts and not be unfair because some people will say, oh, player welfare, you've got to think about that. Three weeks after that, it'll be the end of the season. Also, in January, Worcester had three empty weekends, mm-hmm. COVID. Uh, in February, they had um, a free weekend. In March, they had no rest weeks, but they had the first two weeks of April with no game. Yeah, cause, and they've got they're not in Europe. They're not in Europe, <laughs> so, so they've played they've rest played, weekends. They played two prem games um, this weekend and last. Uh, then they've got a rest week yep. now. Then they play two more games. Then they've got a rest week. Then three games. Then the end of the season, and they're then then blocking out a rest week rather than moving a game forty eight hours. I think it's an awful look. Given given how stretched every club's finances are at the moment because of not having fans in for so long, I, I do think it's a really really even, bad look. And even not the finances, the just the emotional bond with fans. Yeah. The, the one thing that's been missing from our sport for the last year. And you know, let's not forget, a lot of fans at clubs donated the refund on their season ticket to the club to try yeah. and help them out. I just think, I mean, I'm sure they think they're doing the right thing, but I just I can't help thinking that they. I mean, the fact, yeah, the, fact that, seems... the, the fact that 11 out of the 12 clubs have done something different, if that is the case, says everything to me. Yes, it does. It's not a good look. No. Hmm. I'm okay with it. Uh, <laughs> so, the game, Sale Sharks game. Uh, Sale Sharks are winning games, which they, you know, this is. Sometimes teams win games that they shouldn't win, and sometimes teams get very lucky on a run, and that is almost like a sign, like the New England Patriots when they win their first Super Bowl. They just. Are you saying it's going to be. I don't think Sale Sharks have an issue with the bigger physical teams. I actually think they would relish. Mm. Playing someone like Exeter again, I don't think it's a problem for them. Yeah. I think where they slip up is where people start trying to play lots and lots of rugby. And the weird one about this is they started shipping points. They don't normally do that unless it's La Rochelle. Um, <laughs> so it was a good win because I actually said on one of my videos that yeah, that's a foregone conclusion. Well, I was wrong because Worcester are still scrapping. They are. Mm. They did put out a big team, and as someone pointed out to me on Twitter. Sale don't play well on plastic pitches. For whatever reason it is, they just don't. So to get through this and rotate your team, because of all of the sides playing this weekend, the only team which might have needed a bit of rotation would have been Sale. Because after that, they've got, I think, Northampton, Leicester, I think they've got Bristol and Exeter coming up. Uh, so Sales, I was just going to point to Sale's last two games. Quinns at home, Exeter away. Yeah. Massive. Quins, they will lose against Quinns. Mm. They'll beat Exeter. That's what I think. Ooh, well, that that's in line with what you said. I think. I think. Well, let, let's see how they're going up, up until that yeah. point. I'm not. I'm not I sure. Just, I agree with fact, that right now. Yeah. In fact, Sale home to Leicester, away to Bath, home to Bristol, 
home to Quinns, away to Exeter. That is tough. Yes. They, so they, if they had have slipped up against Worcester, they're staring down the barrel at missing out on top four. Yeah. Big, big time. Well, that's not the important fixture list, in my opinion. Northampton's is the important fixture <laughs> I think I mentioned this last week. Yeah. How they got a very favourable no, one. Oh, crikey. That looks, um, that looks a bit tasty. So, I actually think... Sale should be all right. The one which is tricky will be Quinns. I think that Leicester match up with them okay. I think even Bristol match up with them fine. I think they can handle Bristol. They can handle Exeter. Just, just. Mm. But you know, what a way to bloody you, shape your season. You've, the old um, footballing kind of analogy was when Man United were winning everything under Alex Ferguson, they would win games when they had... Um, a relatively weakened team out and were still and were playing poorly so not yeah. just they had you could win games with a weaker team playing well or you can win games with your best team playing poorly but you combine the two and still win games and, and sale to their credit they did and this was a weakened sale team and they did not play well and they still won yeah. watch out for this Finn Smith lad uh, Worcester by the way 18 years old playing in the Premiership. It's pretty pretty cool. Yeah, do you see his crossfield kick for it was the Shilcock try, yeah, wasn't it? Great, Early great on. Try. Yeah. I tell you what, there was some there was some nice highlights in this game. I like the Aaron Reed try. Yeah. That was that was nice. nice. I, they do practice. That, that was the Tom Curry break, wasn't it? Tom yeah. Curry rampaging he's through the midfield. Scary. Like, he is scary to look at when he's running yeah, full pelt. He's yep. awesome. Uh, and there's another try I quite liked, but it escapes me off. But one of the hoo hard tries. Yeah, something like that. It's fine. <laughs> uh, in, the, in the end, it was a win. I think the sale got five tries in the end, or six tries. It's got a lot of they tries. Defi- yeah, they definitely got a bonus point comfortably. It's got, it's got yeah. a lot of tries for a, for a team which only won by two points. Whatever <laughs> yeah. it was. Um, that was that, in, in the bag. We mentioned Northampton then. Yeah, we did. Did you watch the game, Northampton, last time? I loved this game. I was flicking between the two, and I did apparently I need to watch this again. The second half, Dan Bigger goes, goes off. He's a hero. Oh, my God. The guy is a Bigger. hero. Have, have, I, have I ever mentioned my love for Dan Bigger? <laughs> He's just a, a hero. The, the whole of Northampton, because Northampton, they lost three guys before kickoff. They lost... Slight home. Yeah, on the wing. Hummett Freeman Harrison. comes in. Yeah, Harrison, which is a big loss, albeit they've got Adam Dorff. Yeah, who were it last season or, the se- or a couple of seasons ago, they wouldn't have a, as good a replacement, and they lost Aaron Painter as well. So three yes. three very important positions. Certainly two, you're tighter than your number eight. Um, in the game, they were losing players throughout the game. They lost several through injury, and then Ribbons goes down with what looked like a really bad ankle-shin injury, and ends up hobbling for the rest of the game, which didn't get any mention in comms. That's a great point. It didn't get mentioned, did it? No, and he was he was not 100%, but it probably didn't get mentioned because Bigger makes a dodgy-looking tackle, an awkward-looking tackle on Namani Nadolu, steaming down his channel. Brings him down, though, first he, time. He brings him down. There was a little bit of a trip. It was Slight, like a, almost like a judo yeah. throw, yeah. and he gets what looked like Nadolu's knee right in the middle, right in the meaty part of the inside of Bigger's quad. And he was in a lot of pain. He was getting. He, he kind of said no to the physios. He was getting helped off, and then realizes they've already used all their subs. Um, they're down a man because JJ Tonks is in the bin. In the back of his mind, lions. Yeah. Well, yeah, in the back of his mind, and I could I could actually like, hear in the back of my um, back of my head JB saying what he said to Courtney Laws when Courtney Laws got injured, or said about Courtney Laws when Courtney Laws got injured playing against Sale last year. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't play. Don't play. <laughs> yeah. And bigger with that 
knowing it could have been a worse, like couldn't be made worse and have a Lions throw in doubt, he went back onto the pitch and Leicester identified it. And they were running Nandolo and Jasper Visa down his channel. Yeah. Oh, which long. for the last <laughs> for, the, for the last eight minutes, Bigger was on That's one was on eight. one leg and they shut them out. It was amazing. It was a brilliant finish to the game. So a bit of a red rag to a bull here, but I've always said this and I maintain it that Dan Bigger is the player that Owen Farrell wants to be. I've always thought that the way he leads, the way he he he, he mouths off, the way he tries to get <laughs> everything. He is he basically not, what Owen Farrell. Not enough like. high shots. Not enough high shots, and that yeah. is a shame. Yeah, he needs to work on that. The bigger was class. Bigger it's good was that he's good. It's good that he's absolutely outstanding, and yet he's still got stuff to work on. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, exactly. Tackle higher, Dan. <laughs> so, just flip over this to the Lions chat. I've been thinking about this, and I genuinely think of the four. Fly halves who are up for selection. Throw in Ford as well. Yeah, so, yeah, so five. Fine. I can see an argument for any two missing that play. Yeah, I, 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 I simply do not know who the outstanding fly half is. I, I don't. I wouldn't want to be making that choice. I, th- I think I'd probably leave Sexton at home. Which is incredible. I think I'd leave Sexton and Ford. Probably. So um, Sexton was ten uh, last time. Yeah. He was ten in Australia. Who was the ten for the South Africa tour? Uh, Stephen Jones. Yes, it was Stephen Jones. Well done. Yeah, it's, that's so tough. Uh, we will do this, by the way. We will because it's a week on Thursday. Warren Gatlin selects his side, and we will we will convene a selection meeting at some point mm. to yes. uh, to pick our to pick our squad. But um, Jasper Visa is part of the Springbok alignment camp, which sounds <laughs> scary when you hear ominous. that. So, yeah, God, God, it sounds like diversity training. <laughs> but more sinister. <laughs> well, it's... no less sinister. Much less sinister. <laughs> Springbok alignment camp. He's a uh, multiple so, alignment camps. Which they're, they're having. They're having a yeah. South African alignment camp. Yeah. They might even have multiple South African alignment camps because of the move. Anyway, they're having. I think a Japanese alignment camp, a Japanese South African alignment camp, and then a European or again they possibly don't... multiple Europeans. Does anyone see the camps. irony in the word? Aligned here, with yeah, with everyone, yeah. everyone being spread out everywhere, but different time zones. Fair play, yes, Visa. He's, he's an outstanding player, but I mean, that's that's not why Leicester signed him. They didn't want him to be that good. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're meant to miss all the. You're meant to be just below international yeah, look level. Look at what sales lads are doing. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. This is where Dan Dupree throws the ball on the floor. Yeah, you need to do that more often. Yeah, he'll probably be having offloading classes now. <laughs> um, on South Africa. I w- I'm just really I'm hoping that they do get a bit more time together because it'd be horrible to watch them get battered by the Lions. I'm not saying they will. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not saying that at all. But it doesn't strike me like it's a fair playing field for them. How can it be if they've not played since the World Cup final? So they've not played as a country at all since the World Cup final. You're quite right. Um, they've not played a huge amount. They played kind of the Curry Cup internal Super B SA, whatever you want to call it. They are playing in the. Um, Rainbow Cup in the Rainbow Cup South because of the um, COVID restrictions. No, they'll never play each other, will they? No, there is now there is now Rainbow Cup North, which is effectively the Pro Twelve or yeah, Pro Twelve, and the Rainbow Cup South, which is the four South African teams, excluding the two South African teams who were formerly in the Pro Fourteen. Yeah, I mean, I I feel sorry for the Pro Fourteen on this because yeah, it's it's totally do? outside their control. Um, nope. sorry. We can talk about the Rainbow uh, Cup. Ah, good. 
Ridiculous name, isn't it? It is a ridiculous name. It is a ridiculous name. Especially after you have to split it to Rainbow Cup North and Rainbow Cup South. South. <laughs> Ugh. Real what? Um, yeah. But then a lot of their players should be match fit at least because they are playing in French League um, in the Premiership or in Japan. Yeah, it's it's um, it actually levels it up a little bit. Both sides are in a pretty similar position. And so yeah. that makes it a bigger challenge for South Africa because obviously it's four nations against one. But um, yeah, it's cool. Um, but but on the Rainbow Cup, did you just just going to rattle through a couple of those scenes you brought it up? I have interviewed Peter Amani a, a couple of times. I've been with him, and I've never got the death stare. And I, I <laughs> after seeing him <laughs> over the weekend, I need to interview him again so I can get the death stare. I love that guy. So he did his post-match interview still wearing his gum shield, firstly, which I loved. <laughs> his team just battered Leinster, admittedly yeah. a you know, uh, second-string yeah. Leinster. They just battered Leinster at the RDS. And the, the interviewer said something as innocuous as, uh, look like you enjoyed that, Peter, how much do you enjoy it? And he looked, he looked at the interviewer <laughs> like he just insulted his mum. Like Steve Diamond <laughs> often looks at you, Tim. <laughs> yeah, quite often. Uh yeah, it was, I absolutely love Peter Armani. So I mean, Munster don't get many wins against Leinster these days. Uh, away as well, in yeah. Dublin, at the RDS. I love it. And I was just jealous of that interviewer getting to stare at the... <laughs> like, the look of disgust he gives the interviewers. Brilliant. He's a hard man, isn't he? He, he is really a hard is. man. Uh, but uh, Captain's Challenge has come up in a couple of games, in those, in those inter-provincial Irish games. Uh, so in the Ulster game, your beloved Ulster lost due to a captain's challenge. Yeah, they lost with a last-minute try uh, in the corner from Connor, but that was that was allowed because of a captain's challenge. Um, now I've not actually seen I've seen the highlights of the game. I've not actually seen the incident of the captain's challenge. I believe there might be a little bit of controversy around it, which does mean because a captain's challenge you can do any try scoring incident. This was not the try. This was not the incident that led to the try scoring. Um, or you can uh, do any foul play or anything in the last five minutes. I think this was one of those in the last five minutes, which I did flag uh, last week or two weeks ago when we first spoke about this because there are so many times, so many incidents, and there will be multiple in any last five minutes of any game where there are infringements in a rook or, or as you said before, Tim, um, that have no mitigation, no, no uh, material impact Sorry, on the, the game that occur, that if you give captains the right when the the game is on the line, they will um, get them reviewed and it will change the course of the game. It's really interesting you say that because when you jump over to the Munster-Leinster game, the cap- there was an attempted captain's challenge at the, uh, by Munster, who'd already won the game, but they were, yeah. in the closing stages they were trying to score a try, and they were denied a captain's challenge because... And there's an element where I was watching this going, oh, you don't need to make it that confusing but in the in the captain's challenge in the last five minutes of a game you can only challenge a whistled decision is the way the referee described it so you it isn't like you you can only you can't challenge a non-decision yeah so that guy went off his feet there okay you can only say you've penalized him for Mm. holding on can you look at it again so that i i prefer that but i still I still think there's going to be decisions that should not be scrutinised to that, ex- ex- that extent getting scrutinised to mm. that extent. Yeah, that's, That is a risk. And because it will only happen in the last five minutes of a game where there is opportunity to actually materially affect the outcome of the game, 
it will cause some controversy. Yeah. So we'll, we'll we'll keep an eye on it. But keep an eye on it. I'm a, I'm a little bit unsure about it. And I think it, I think it'll do more harm than good. Well, it, it certainly there was a few confused faces after the weekend in those games where it was used. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Uh, elsewhere, just rattling through in Super Rugby AU, Jordan Oliver Fella scored a hat trick for the Western Force. Yeah, sorry, I didn't didn't watch any of the game. Uh, George North got injured and looks quite a worrying injury mm. uh, with Lions in mind. Same for Rory Sutherland. Richard Cockrell said that he's probably going to be out at best six to eight weeks. Which Ooh, is, Sutherland was playing some really nice stuff. He was, uh, and D Mac did it again for the Chiefs, who are so much better uh, without Gatland. Yeah, they've, well, they've, they've actually won. Yeah. yeah, they've won multiple games. I think they're, they're second top, aren't they? But D Mac with a last minute kick to win again against my wow beloved uh, beloved Canes. Yeah, <laughs> that's quite quite incredible. It's quite incredible. Yeah, um, uh, and the, and did, the, you, did you see any in, in the Super Rugby? Did you see any of the highlights of um, Crusaders and, and particularly Will Jordan? Oh, no, I saw he, his, I saw his try. One of his he's tries. He's just yeah amazing. He's got that that he's got the pace. He's got the step. He's got the balance. He's like um, a, a modern version of um, Christian Cullen. He's he's that kind. That's a great he's shot. That kind of runner. That's a great he's shot. Such a good player. Uh, the England women's uh, the England England won the women's Six Nations Championship, which is, as we all know, the the only Six Nations Championship which counts. Yeah. So delighted that England are on top of the rugby world. Yeah, absolutely. That's, you know, and and that was the only game in that championship that actually counted. It, it really Everything was. else was 40, 50, 60 point uh, whitewashes. It's uh, it's not constructive. And to to go that that is a constructive game. That is a really that that oh, that yeah, one is. But to, is. to something JB has said before, which I, I totally agree with, you shouldn't just map men's rugby onto women's rugby. No. And you should look at that and go. We're not Six Nations isn't going to be any good. It's yeah. not. It's not going to do. It's not going to spread the word of the game at all. Having Wales getting battered by England and France actually much better. Make it make it a big grudge between England and France for the next few years. Just have three match series every yeah. every spring. Or look and, and look get, at get the best teams together in the world. Like um, they can do anything they want. They, uh, they can do whatever they want. And they they want. why, why do it just like it's always been done? Yeah. yeah, in the men's game, a different sport. But look at rugby league. There, there are only really three teams in the world in rugby league. There, there are a lot of sport teams that play it, but only three of any know: England, New Zealand, and Australia. Or um, Great Britain in that case. Or yeah, yeah, or, yeah. or Great Britain. Yeah. But yeah, get get those three um, together and get, get them playing the games. You don't need to see. Uh, 
Ireland versus Wales or, I don't know, Lebanon versus Papua New Guinea. It's kind of irrelevant. Absolutely. And and just, just as we do a whistle-stop tour of the rugby world, uh, Major League Rugby, I, I'm... I'm very close to declaring myself a Nola Gold fan. No, no. Wow. Well, I, 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 New Orleans is on my list of places I really want to go. I I'm want, all about uh, Houston Sabercats. Yeah, me too. All about them. What, so you want to do a bit of Texas? Yeah. Because you've got Austin Gilgronies as well. We, we we do, but it's Sabercats, mate. Oh, I, it's their wide options, mate. Their wide options are electric. <laughs> until you realise that, until you see the firepower that the Houston Sabercats can put out, particularly on the wing, then I don't think, you know... You'd... Who are the wingers? Particularly one uh, Leicester-raised... Leicester Tigers-raised um, winger. Zach Godfrey. You know who Zach, Zach Godfrey? Zach Godfrey. Yeah, Zach yeah. Godfrey. Kills it. Well, uh, week in, week out. Well, I, I really want to do uh, the sort of... that musical pilgrimage of the southern states of America, like Tennessee and... and uh, I'll do it. I'm Miss, not going, Mississippi I'm not doing any and music. New Orleans and stuff. No, no, that's fine. I mean, I can, I can be persuaded to come with you. <laughs> but but no, uh, but they've got uh, they've got a qu- okay. Let me try and sell no New Orleans <laughs> to you. They've got a quartered kit. Okay, I'm in. Mm. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> gold, gold, very very thin stripes. Yeah. On one on on half the quarters and plain white on the others. It looks lovely, and they've got the most American sounding play. Oh, Kane Thompson, the former Samoa lock, plays for them. But they've got the most American-sounding centres in their squad: Keanu Andrada <laughs> and, wow. and Ross Depeschmidt. Wow, wow. That's awesome! I love it. Oh, look at that in fact, kit! No, there we go. No, no, the kit is amazing. That kit is awesome, JB. That is awesome. Now, now go to the coach page, and they've got the most American-looking coach ever. Their director of rugby. Todd Fitzgerald. Yeah. Oh, t- t- the owner, t- Tim Falcon, <laughs> the owner. That is Tim Falcon. Tim Falcon looks like Del Boy. Look, look, look on the left hand side. How American does that guy look? I just love. It. I love everything about this. <laughs> I, I love their jackets. I love their. The oh yes, Tim Falcon franchisee. So, uh. so anyway, my point being, we're going to need to get over to check out some major yeah. rugby. Um, my brother was in uh, New Orleans a couple of years ago. He was raving about it. Really? You really yeah. like raving in New Orleans? Raving about going to he New Orleans. He should really keep that in the wraps with his job. <laughs> no, we, we've got a New England Free Jacks fan on the on the live stream. Ed, very unhappy that I'm, I'm maybe going Nola Gold. But uh, I don't know. I say what, Free Jacks, great kit. That is a good kit. Great kit. I mean, do, they, do they call it kit or do they call it... Uh, uniform. Uniform. <laughs> great uniform. Uh, the the Guiltinis, I do quite like Guiltinis. Uh, All white. Uh, and bringing in the players, bringing in oh, AAC, AAC, and uh, Gitto, and and that I've, Coliseum, that stadium oh, the, they the play in is amazing. amazing. But I've, I've always been a DTH fan, the Merber fan. I think he's just a, a quality player, um, really just an out and out finisher. Um, so I, I quite like him playing as well. Um, uh, well. You might have to support the Seattle SaberCats, uh, Seattle SeaWolves now. Sea Wolves. Because uh, your, boy, your, your Ulster boy Rory Best is going there as a coach. <laughs> oh, yes. That's just so right. There's an American thing which I, I love, which is when they just get a thing and combine it with an animal. <laughs> so, like, yeah, timber wolves. I don't believe there is a wolf which is suited you know, to making timber. And I can't imagine that there's a particular wolf which is very good. In fact, the worst designed animal to be in the sea would be a wolf. Like, it just isn't. It's not a realistic proposition, is it? Timber wolves. Sea wolves. Come on. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Mountain shark, <laughs> <laughs> land, the land summons. Here they come. <laughs> uh, just on that, uh, there was one. Um, 
there was a, a poll I saw this week, which I don't think people have thought through, but 82% of Brits want to reintroduce extinct animals into the wild in the, U- in the UK. I'm, I'm all for this. Well, yeah, you I'm say you say this, but th- which I can understand. Eighty-two percent of people going, "Oh, yeah, that's the nice, that's the kind thing to do, isn't it? To get back those animals that humans have made extinct." But among on the list of animals, wolves and bears. Uh, so mm. it's a really interesting on this. Right? Natural selection. I'm all for natural selection. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, look, if you look careless at three a.m., you know, with a delicious smelling kebab, that is like. I quite like being able to say to my kids uh, when the, you know, on a nice week like we've had. I'm just, can I go to the park with my friends? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Not, yeah, sure, just take the bear mace and a shotgun. <laughs> take the shotgun, please, son. <laughs> um, yes, so, on a serious note on this, um, read the book Rewilding by Isabella Tree. It is one of the most fantastic books I've ever read. And it is about exactly this, rewilding and putting native species back in. She's basically just leaving land to grow. It was somewhere in, in southern England, wasn't it? Yeah. Was it in, it is the Nepa State. Where's that? It's down somewhere on some mudflats somewhere. And I know it's so the, somewhere in some, southern England. Yeah, somewhere in southern England. It's about 300 acres. Nepa State. You can go camping there. Uh, it is um, it's been 20, 28 different species of dung beetle. How about that? How about that? Wow. You've got to go. You've got to go. But there's um, Yellowstone reintroduced wolves. I want to go there as well. Yeah. Um, Where's the nearest team to that? Is Utah near there? Because they've got a team. Don't don't I know, don't but, know. I but there was I don't know. I know because I've read a little bit about this a long time ago, where they they reintroduced it to control the elk population, and the knock on effects down the so th- wolves were native to there, elk the wolves were taken out of their um, elk ex- population exploded, but the knock on effects down the food chain because there's too many elks they're eating yeah. more of something else that is a food supply for something else that is a food supply for something else. And when you balance the ecosystem back, everything else evens out. So what you need, right, is a range of mouthpiece apertures. So, like, some things eat this, some things eat that, and they, you know, between them all, you don't get any invasive species because it it all balances out. But then when you get rid of the wolves, say if the cows outcompete the pigs, then the pigs, what they, the thing which they do, then starts to, starts to outcompete the, the, like, the certain type of foliage. Wow. It's all very, very complex stuff. Ultimately, what it means, we just need predators. Yeah, lots of lots it. and lots, lots of predators. Um, and I remember similar um, thread. I was up in Sky, um, Northwest Scotland, the Isle of Sky, and we did a little visit, a boat trip to another a tiny island off Sky, um, not populated, not um, inhabited by humans. And some rats got onto that island in the 17th century, or 18th century, and there's lots of native birds that that um, live in the ground. And the rats just, the population totally ex- exploded. It might have been puffins, yeah. Yeah, because it happened in Puffin Island on, um, in North Wales. And the rats right. were eating all the eggs. But the rat, there's nothing to control the rat population. They just totally exploded. Mm. And we were talking to the, the um, kind of the sailors who took us out there were saying they, go, like, they send two guys out there for two weeks at a time just to kill as many rats as they possibly can. Well, have you seen They'll s- kill 10,000, 20,000 rats. And it, do- it doesn't even... Doesn't even touch the surface of the rat population. Have you heard of Snake Island, which is just off. Uh, it sounds like the plot of a film, right? <laughs> Snake Island, just off the coast of Brazil, and it's got more snakes per square meter than any. I mean, it's it's lethal. You can't go there. You just w- can't go there. I mean, wouldn't it be more, you know, financially and time efficient just to nuke it? Well, <laughs> nuke all the yeah, puffins. Yeah, save save all the puffins, then nuke all the rats. Yeah, yeah. yeah so Perfect <laughs> Island has no puffins on because of the because of rats. Yeah. 
them. Bloody are. rats. Wow. Um, where's Snake Island? Yeah, that'd be like, instead of the, the... We can update it from the, the last chopper out of Saigon to the last puffin out of sky. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, no, I'm not very good at this whole uh, YouTube malarkey. I don't really know how it works. As you might have noticed, we've, we're fairly new to it. Mm. But jo- so I, Joseph has said, um, you know, there's a bunch of people watching. There's hardly any likes. What's up with that, lads? I think basically it's, it's we're Joseph. Because we're not very good? Because we're not very... No, it's not. <laughs> I think we're not very good at uh, asking people to do all the basic stuff that people press that like. do YouTube. Pre- press like. All 58 of you now press like. Just press like. <laughs> that That will probably help. And it's worth pointing out, we have... No financial backers. We're sat here in our own self-made studio in the basement flat of JB's house, uh, mm-hmm. the Rugby Dungeon. Um, these are all shirts that we've accumulated, no, uh, and been sent by people from around the world. These we, we have no financial backers. We have nothing like that. Uh, we just love the game of rugby and uh, so press like. So, mm. fr- so, so yeah, help. Press Thank like you. now. We'll talk about rugby again. Please help. Now, can I just bring something up? Um, two things have changed in the Rugby Dungeon this week from. Uh, when we were in here last, there is uh, a kind of strong zero missing. Oh, no, no, oh no, there no, is. No, not, oh, there's not. I've not. Oh, not well, the other thing that's changed is JB, you've got a horrible cut on your arm, and I assume the two things were linked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had some strong zero, and then a knife fight. <laughs> it's usually what happens. That think, is, yeah. yeah, pretty much. Oh, by the way, just to wrap up the Major League Rugby before we do move back to other stuff, um, it's worth pointing out. There's a free live stream via the Rugby Network app of MLR games, and I'm yes. going to be checking out that to see. I'm not going to say my beloved Nola Gold yet, but I'm, mm, I'm getting cl- close. I'm getting close to declaring. I I am also very very close to saying I am a neutral London Irish fan. Definitely, Ooh. I absolutely love that side. Did I, you watch I love the, that the game this week? That ground looks so good. It, I haven't it been to look, it yet. It it actually looks better. When there's no fans because of the because of the yeah, seating. You're you're a construction expert, right? Um, and you, you know a bit yeah, about stadiums I, and that kind of stuff, right? Hey, how about this for an innovation? Because everything else has been done. Seats that change colour. Why why does this not exist? It can't be that I mean, hard. No, it wouldn't be that hard. It would be phenomenally expensive. Why? Uh, well, how are you going to get them to change colour? Well, my idea would be because the seats only need to change colour, don't they? When people are not sitting in them. Yeah. So if every seat was white. There surely must be a, a lighting scenario where you could just have a little light panel. I've just literally made this up in front of the seat to project up. And that's fairly cheap technology. But where's the light? So, so you, where your feet are. Yeah. Against the, the against the concrete. Yeah. Embedded in there, you, you have lights anyway, don't you? Like LEDs and um, walkway lights. Not in the not in the concrete there. You, all the, the lighting would be from the top down. Mm. So you, you could, I guess, you could have all the seats as a neutral colour white. And but then you, light them. Yeah, you could, you could do that. That that wouldn't be particularly expensive. Because if you have lights that, if you want to, because oh no, what I'm thinking, what I was thinking was, if you're using each seat as effectively a pixel, so mm. so you could use the seats as a screen, then each seat needs to be able to change light, well, change colour independently. That's now what that I would thought. be phenomenally expensive. It must be a cheap way to do it, though. Uh, I don't know. It must be. It must be a technology. No, the reason my idea won't work is because sunlight would ruin it. Yeah. That's why every ground from now on needs to be built like Rassings. Yeah. You go, yeah, in the yeah. dark. Pitch then black. You, then you can turn it into a nightclub afterwards. Yeah, you 100%. Yeah, I don't know how you do it, but if every seat... Like, so when, so the point I'm making is when Irish go in, it can all be green. Yeah, when yeah. When go in, it can all be red or whatever it needs to be. Well, did, did you see the uh, Manchester United news last week or two weeks ago? 
around um they've put a load of black banners on the bottom half all the bottom tier of yes, seating because when they're playing at home in red and they glance out of the corner of their, their eye they can't pick out the red shirt of their player against the red, red seat background which has never been a problem in the past when it's when fans are out. in yeah absolutely mm. yeah Mm, that is, yeah, good point. Good point well <laughs> the, made. The, the lighting of each seat, you could do it, because what, what I was thinking you wanted to do, each seat independently, so you could project, not even project, you could get messages. Well, that's kind them. of what I thought originally. If you could yeah. in, individually light each seat. Um, you, it, it could definitely be done. It's just going to be expensive. The yeah. Brentford Stadium's cool, though. It is cool. And I think Paddy's Day next year, that's that should be a little day out. Because that, mm. that atmosphere, that place will be bouncing next next yeah, March. I'd love to have seen what London Irish would have done this year with the new stadium and with fans in, and see how, what kind of football they get. Yeah, because that, that is a big... Um, Paddy's Day yeah, is a big game. It's a massive one for them. And I, I did mention last week that this was a, a bit of a grudge match and that mm. Irish will bring some edge. And we sort of joked, potentially, is this a, the way that Harlequins feel about Saracens? <laughs> Irish feel about Harlequins where the other half doesn't know it's their derby match. Yeah. Yeah. Because it very much is for London Irish. I think it also is for Quinns though. Yeah. I, there was real there edge was, in this one, wasn't there? There was a lot of niggle. Like almost too much niggle. And certainly for, for one man in uh, Andre Esterhees, and there was definitely too much niggle. Hmm. Uh, did he get red card? He got red yeah. carded. For it probably was it was stupid, but it probably was the right outcome. He was kind of there was a big melee um, that went off several times. Actually, there were several altercations, and then away from the main melee was um, him and Curtis Rona, yeah. two two big boys playing against each other. And Andre Hazen has got Curtis Rona's kind of jersey across his chest, yeah. and he's pushing him. And on one of the pushes is just too too oh. forceful, and it ends up just being a yeah, it ends up being a forearm elbow. We've all been makes there. contact We've with all the. Been there. The head yeah. neck area. Head neck area, of course he did. Of course he I did. mean, it's worth pointing out as well, generally, players show unbelievable restraint. Yeah. Like, to, to smash each other constantly. Yeah. They're in that little melee. I'd just like and to ask the lawmakers this one question. I'm not trying to say Andre Estesian shouldn't have got yeah. red card. I'm just mass- saying they show massive restraint. Why are we, yeah. why are we watching Andre Estesian? This is what we want to see. For, this is this is what he <laughs> should do. This is why I'm watching him. That's why it excites me, the way he dominates other people. I, I want to see this. Yeah. No. But he took and also, you could run a handle it. He took like it too far. I, um, James Stokes and Curtis Rona handled it pretty well, to be fair to them, with, with some able assistance from the back row. But I, Irish, Irish are unlucky. Cause... They will be gutted. Yeah. Absolutely gutted because it ends any outside hope they had of top four. But had they won that game, they're sort of sniffing around down, uh, yeah. down the table a bit. But they're a good team. They just. Uh, they, I think they lost that one rather than Quinns won it. But yeah, fair, fair play, Quinns, well, for coming through. Their man. Marcus Smith. If anyone won it, oh Marcus word. Smith won it. That try for Marcus Smith at the end. Yeah, yeah. My With the pressure word. on like that, to show the goal, the acceleration, the strength to get away from the tacklers. Queens are going to be a nightmare. They're going to be an absolute nightmare. It's just a shame the way it's going to form for them. They're not going to have. I don't think they'll have the opportunities to get in the final. Maybe, maybe they will. Well, I think top four. They've got a big issue now. I mean, it's going to be a test of them because two really important players for them that have been a massive part of the success they've had this season are both out. F- well, Andreas Hayes will probably miss a couple of games. Yeah. And Will Evans. Yeah. His season's yeah, done. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. That is a real blow. because he's, he, he's been amazing. 
And someone it, told me that the other day, but I was drunk, so I couldn't remember if it was a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> someone on Saturday night. Uh, that is a big blow because he he's so important. His turnovers, are working, yeah, his turnovers and his link play as well. Mm. He's a really good player and and another good example of someone that Leicester Tigers let go, yeah. fail, failing to identify uh, talent. Yeah, that is a huge a huge problem for them. And a good point that Burge makes on that's not Andre Esterhazen's first red of the season, ah, so, so he may be. not get yeah he won't mitigated get down. Yeah, as long as he's back for playoffs, it doesn't matter. Well, actually, it's a good point. He will. He will be back for playoffs. Are we going to see Quinns making up uh, friendly fixtures now? <laughs> I did watch. When was it? I only watched ten minutes of it. Um, Bathay versus uh, Quinns was on Friday afternoon, late afternoon. Fair play for watching that. How was um, it? It was okay. Archie White captain Quinns didn't, didn't see. I don't know because there was no comment, so I, I just dipped in. There was watched twenty minutes of it. There was no commentary. Um, and then dipped out again. Yeah. Um, someone, I don't know who it was, one of the Bath centres put in a massive hit. I'm sure it was Paul Lasique playing for Quinns. He put a massive hit on Paul Lasique. Really? Yeah, a huge hit. He then did get penalised for not rolling away, which I think was a little bit harsh. But They're just looking for a reason to penalise excessive force. Excessive Ex- yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Uh, also, there's so much great rugby to talk about, um, and, and so I apologise if in any, any particular game we skirt over it. Um, that, despite the fact there's so much rugby to talk about, I think there was probably the best example of why we just need to get back to normal as quick as possible, get back in rugby grounds, start having conversations with real people because people are losing their minds. What, oh. What's going on with James Haskell? Right. I Tell me, just no, get me up I to mean, speed. I, what's going on? So, James Haskell's plight this week reminded me of my own plight mm. because I was in Didsbury Talk H Rugby Club and we were having a few, a few beers. Uh, by the way, Didsbury is simply the best place to have a few beers in on, in a sunny day. We've got this little balcony. We're overlooking these playing fields. It's it's just phenomenal. So we're having some beers, and I'm not the only one that thinks this place is phenomenal. Lots of locals from Didsbury think it's also mm. phenomenal. So they trot down, they put out a picnic blanket, and they're all around the edges of the of this park. So you've got a cricket square, you've got two rugby pitches, you've got two football pitches. It's an enormous space, all surrounded by trees all infested with green parakeets. So it's like you're abroad. Oh, you were, yeah, to continue the conversation about uh, ecosystems yeah, being messed up. Yeah, yeah, so we need some falcons, right? So, um, anyway, that's not the point. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. They, um, <laughs> so they're on these blankets. Anyway, Disbury Football Club has got a brand new director of football. Who then proceeded... Not a football director. No director of football. Mm. Not a football, yeah. He then proceeded to walk around, this, walk around the playing fields and evict every single member oh. of the public uh, from drinking on the sports fields. So he comes back and I'm like, what? Why? Why would you do this? Like, what about the reputation? He's telling me all the plans. Like, first thing we need to get is the entrance is sealed off. It's like, that can't be your first, <laughs> that can't be your first move as director of football. You want to annoy everybody in the local community <laughs> by sealing off the entrances. This is brilliant. Ugh. And then... And then, this is where it's all James Haskell-y. He starts telling me these stories. He starts saying, well, you know, you won't have seen this uh, because some people have been, you know, um, breaking bottles and then burying them so people fall on them. It's like, hmm, I haven't seen that because I suspect it hasn't happened. And people make up these ridiculous stories just to get their own way, just so they can have that little bit of power. It sounds like... It's so a, 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 bro- a shard of a broken bottle, which over time got covered by a little bit of soil, turned into someone has yeah. dug a hole, buried a broken bottle, and yeah. so covered it up again. What are the chances of 
when you evict someone who is a good law-abiding citizen, citizen from sitting on your field, that that will discourage the sort of person that likes to bury bottles. Like, <laughs> what, what is he? There's no overlap in, the, in, uh, in these people whatsoever. If someone... Well, yeah, that's the way to look at it. You're right. If someone would actually bury a broken bottle... They'd also jump over a fence. Yeah, I was going to bury, I was going to bury this 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 bottle, but as I'm not allowed on the field, I won't bother. Can't do it. Can't do it. I'm not allowed, I'm not allowed on, on the field. So, 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 but yeah. So, what's been going on with James Haskell? So he took his dog. Just, oh, sorry. So just just to say this, I don't totally know what's been going on. All I know is that some some rugby accounts have been on a on a on one today. <laughs> and I don't. I, I've, I've, I was having such a good time this weekend watching yeah. rugby. I've just ignored it. Thankfully, Jay, I've totally missed yeah. this. James Haskell took his dog for a walk, right? And it's a farmer said, "Put your dog back on the lead." And I don't know what happened next. It, it turns out there are no animals in in in, in this field. There's no animals probably in the whole damn county. And he says, I, "I would do exactly the same thing. I keep my dog off the lead. In fact, I do it all the time." Um, and this has now turned into James Haskell outing himself as a misogynist, I guess, farm animal genocide en- <laughs> enthusiast. I can't. The people have started sending him like inboxes. Some rap like, sheet that. Yeah, like of mauled animals and stuff like that. So it's all gone really. It's all gone very, very pear shaped on on Twitter today. And we thought him, him running into a post protector at the Millennium Stadium was the... Yeah. Was the... You take your dog out for a walk and you come back a misogynist. It's unbelievable. Isn't it? <laughs> People just need to get back to it, doing normal no, stuff. No, but this Speaking is with an... actual humans again. Yeah, but this is their normal thing. This is, this, this is literally their normal thing. Um, getting... I mean, the hysteria. The hysteria is rather, rather amusing. I think people... Um, I think people do forget how much James Haskell has done for rugby. Particularly compared to, you know... Uh, social justice focused rugby accounts. You know, he's done an awful lot more. Maybe leave, maybe uh, cut, cut, him, cut him some slack. Well, also, one thing I would say about what, whatever you kind of think, I admire the man because we all have the same 24 hours in a day. And I, sometimes people say to me, God, you, you managed to get a lot, a lot done in a week, Tim. And I, and I know the amount of time I waste and I know what I yeah. could achieve if I really knuckled down. James Haskell. Totally knuckles down. He's remarkable. He's an unbelievable yeah. he's guy. Remarkable. He's productive. He, he was said because obviously he's too busy to type. So I, I now send voicemail notes on uh, WhatsApp, mostly so people think I'm busy, but I'm not really. <laughs> he sent me a voice note whilst his DJ set is playing in the background. So he's obviously practicing his DJ sets whilst uh, getting through to his, uh, his admin of annoying rugby podcasters that are, that are, con- <laughs> are contacting him. But anyway, the guy's remarkably kind with his time. He's a you know he tells great stuff. I honestly don't think there's many people out there who are spreading the word of rugby as much as James Haskell is doing as good a job at that. I know who I'd rather have a beer with uh, <laughs> out of the people up in arms and the man himself. Yes, so, and I, but, but on that, there's been so much good stuff and I've loved the rugby this weekend uh, that I just think we all need to get back in a clubhouse, have a beer, and remember. But they've never been to a clubhouse. They, they, these people, they won't. They won't stop him. It's not as if they were taken out of the clubhouse. They've never been to one <laughs> for the most part. Most of them, uh, some of them retired when they were fifteen. Fifteen. <laughs> they talk about grassroots rugby. They've not been to a rugby club since they were fifteen. <laughs> so uh, it's just a thought I had. Right. Any other games? Uh, yes, there was Bath Wasps. So what, yeah. it was 2000, 2021 Bath against 2020 uh, Wasps. And <laughs> Wasps looked absolutely superb. Yeah, Jacob Umang is back. <sighs> Did you see the double offload phase of play? That was remarkable. Oh, was that? That was the Bath try. 
No, no, it was Jake no, the, the, the Elliot Stook. That, that, I mean, that try was awesome. The Ben Spencer try. Elliot Stook to Miles Reed, who's class. He uh, is class, isn't he? To Ben Spencer. That try was awesome. There were some great tries, but yeah, Jake, I know. What was the one you were talking about? So, it's like a half break, handoff on to Yulns, uh, uh, Umunga, out the back door to the next player. He makes some breaks, goes down. Somehow Umanga gets back into the line again, gets the ball again, and same backdoor offload. So two offloads in the same phase of play. And Le Bourgeois goes underneath the sticks. Oh, yes. Nice. It was something. Yeah. And just, he seems to be... I wonder if, being a young man, he came with no sort of track records and no one knew what to expect. Then they worked out what to expect from him. And he's had a really tough learning curve learning how to play something different or showing someone a different look or somehow getting back to form in order to defeat the people that <clears> now know how to defeat him. It's, there's an interesting one as well with, obviously when Wasps were playing their best stuff last year was when Gopeth came back and was um, controlling things at 12, but actually mm. potentially for um, Umaga's development and, and Charlie Atkinson's development, controlling too many things because he was kicking everything. He was probably taking a lot of the decision-making um, on what, when to kick, when to run, what plays they're going to use. Gopeth hasn't been as an integral part of the team this season. If if anything, he's probably um, coming to the end of his um, well his time playing. He's thirty seven or thirty eight. Thirty seven, yeah. Yeah, um, and it's taken a little bit of time for Jacob Umaga to be able to um, kind of run on his own, run without stabilizers, without that that such an experienced controlling figure next to him, and. Maybe we'll we will start to see that benefit of him now um, learning to do so on his own, which will unfortunately for Wasp it will only really have any impact next season yeah. because this season is basically done. Don't, for the don't underestimate the impact that Dan Robson will make being back yeah, regularly is, in that side again. Which is a good point, and Joe Launchbury as well. Like Joe, Joe Launchbury yeah. as as um, as a captaincy and a leadership figure. But t- tying into sort of looping. Background to the general thrust of the, the Haskell point. I thought it was quite interesting that Jacob Umanga, when he was not playing his best and Charlie Atkinson was getting the starts, he mentioned that he's come off social media because he, mm. he was not liking it very much. And James Grayson, funnily enough, has said the same in the last week oh, or two. Interesting. So there's a couple of examples of young guys. Dan Bigger's not even on it. Well, no. Yeah. I, and I think that that's that's that would be my advice. I wish I wasn't on it. And I, I, <laughs> one of these days, I will actually hit the delete button and just do it, Tim. Just nuke it. Feel free. Yeah, um, but keep, uh, keep the egg chasers account for lurking. Yeah, that's my lurking. that's my advice. Yeah, uh, but I will um, I will say it's just potentially. I wonder if possibly that had any part to play. I don't know. I don't know. Just in terms of the the mindset of a guy. I think when you're on a downer, you're on a downer. Everything seems a little bit down. And I think a game like that, yeah. when you're offloading out the back door, will make everything feel a lot better. Yeah, yeah, a, a, lot a better. confidence awesome. boost. A confidence boost. Yeah, against against. A big name team in Bath, and not only that, I thought they'd lost this because Bath, they are gritty, and for a team that are rubbish, they've got a hell of a lot of players that really impressed me, like Miles Reed, um, Bayliss. There's a lot of lads in there. I think bloody hell, he's really good. A Barno until his red card, yeah. his slow motion try, which I think it could have actually been a red card in its own in its own right, because if you seen it in slow motion, he basically him and Tommy Taylor. Tommy Taylor's head meets Abana's shoulder about an inch away from the ground. There's yeah. no way. There's no. He can't go any lower, right? <laughs> but it is shoulder to head without <laughs> yeah. any of it. And then 
So just starts to proceed to drive Tommy Taylor backwards. Uh, you know, slowly. <laughs> I like did like five years that later, <laughs> it was all. It was brilliant. Um, so it's an impressive win for Wasps to stay in the fight. That is, back, not, it's not the rugby they played. That was lovely. That's great. But what Wasps did really well when they were winning is they stayed in the fight, and it's exactly what they did. And yeah, again, this is this is has to be for for Wasps. This is building for next season. Yeah, hundred percent. And as I say, because of the situation we're in, it's largely irrelevant. Mm. Well, who actually won the game? It was just a good game. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so what we've not sp- spoke about, unless you want to finish off, off this game first. No, go on. Well, Premiership Rugby is no longer led by the same management team. Yeah. Um, and I, I listened to both of your videos on this in oh. the week. Um, really good. Two really good videos. So, so I know what I said. You know yeah. what we both said. I've not heard your version, Tim. What, what did you... What, what did you think? Uh, a sad end to a sorry tenure in charge of Premiership Rugby in which over the last 20 months, Darren Childs has had, admittedly, uh, some extraordinary situations to deal with mm. and didn't deal with them. Or at least was was never a public face uh, to the issues as they were unfolding, which I think has, I think, massively damaged the game and its standing and the confidence people had in it the Saracen salary cap compounded by coronavirus. We only saw him a couple of times and I think that's unforgivable in the situation. I think the way that rugby is administered and the way that the communication is done, and we've talked about this, is pretty poor across the board. But as the focal point, um, I just think he was ineffective as, yeah. as, as a man leading the sport. And then you compound that with the fact that the reason he was brought in was to negotiate a TV deal and whilst I think coronavirus is absolutely a a, a thing you can cut him a bit of slack on that for, nevertheless, he he ended up signing off a deal that was less than the one he got offered. It must be it must be like signing his own death warrant, Matt. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. a trick. I mean, so many different angles to this. So Premiership Rugby on Tuesday when this broke, I phoned them. It's like, okay, so how long have you known? <laughs> About an hour. Uh, all right, so what's the what's, what's the plan? Oh, just throw it to leadership. Leadership will sort it out. Okay. Well, they've got um, Nigel Melville in there. Yeah, but it's not the same role, is it? I don't know. No, it's not the same role, but you've got, like, but bearing in mind, I, I, I would say, and again, this is not to say yeah. anything about Darren Charles as a, as a bloke, and he's clearly got to a very high level of competency in a, a, in a management role. He was at UK TV and they brought him in, CBC, CBC brought him in from there. So it's nothing to do with him as a bloke. I just think this, with the very, very trying times we had, it needed someone with a with the a ability leader. to stand out in front of a microphone, yeah. go on to BT Sport and just explain what was going on. And he said nothing. And uh, yeah. Have you ever encountered him? Did you ever see him? Did you ever see him again? Uh, he's only made two... I think he was only ever on BT Sport a couple of times. So the, Sar- the Saracen salary cap thing happened and he, no, no one from Premiership Rugby said anything on it for three months. Amazing. Yeah. No, I, I actually, <laughs> Unbelievable. I actually think the Saracens' salary cap, so obviously the public facing side of stuff it was not good enough, but I actually think the decisions that they chose is one of the areas that he should actually take some credit from. I.e., we had the same situation back in 2015 where three clubs broke, breached the salary cap rules. You are right. The whole thing got swept under the carpet. Yeah, they got behind right. the scenes fine. The, the 2019 Saracens, which was when CVC and Darren Childs had been appointed or come in and been appointed. Um, it, there was, and it was a word that you used in your video, Tim, there was transparency. Now, some of that transparency was reluctant, 
the reluctant transparency, which I think was on behalf of Saracens, because they were... We didn't get the, the actual full report until about two months later, and then we got the redacted report leaked, and then... Oh, sorry, we got the full report leaked, and then the redacted report actually issued... But I actually think he he presided over that, and he probably deserves some credit for the way that nice one, handled. Phil. Well done for spotting that. It's a good shout. Albeit it could have been done in a more transparent mm-hmm. manner. Well, you know, when you lose a head guy, as anyone will tell you, actually, you would like to do it in a manner that you have some continuity, so you have got some succession planning, and that's what's so striking about this. This is why you know the excuse that he's gone to CVC as a consultant, or he's going to look at other business interests is completely false because. They, you know, this would have been planned out months and months ahead. They said, right, we're going to have a process. We need a, a replacement. Headhunters would have been involved. There'd be a media narrative for them. I mean, it wouldn't even need to be a media narrative. They could say, look, Darren Charles is leaving in three months, and his successor will be announced in due course. But it wasn't. It was like pack your bags today. You've you've got to go. The reason for that, well, well he, or he he resigned. Is well, what, is what they're saying. He was facing a vote of no confidence from. At least from the clubs. So, so the so Premiership Rugby did know then. All, well, all the clubs because the, the Premiership Rugby, question. the Premiership Rugby is the clubs. Very good question. So that. the clubs would the clubs would have considered. Well, if what you're saying is true, and they were planning no, to no confidence, it is true. Okay, well, I know, but because I, I haven't heard that yeah. myself, I don't know your sources, so I'm just gonna, mm. yeah, yeah, just sit on the fence. So if that is true, then Premiership Rugby would have the clubs who are Premiership Rugby effectively would have at least considered what the consequences of that being going through and yeah. having a vote no confidence and they would have had someone in mind to select. As it is, they've got Nigel Melville, steady hand on the tiller to oversee the transition to a new person. Yeah, it's, you know, the part which gets me is the bit where we are told time and time again, CVC is not just money, it's expertise. Look at all these experts that they've got in. Now, when Darren Childs was first appointed, I was probably mixed on the thing. Okay, yeah, maybe it's... I, I, I didn't know. The answer is, I did not know. But looking back at it, has UK TV ever bid on anything? What? Other than repeats? I'm not sure. I have no idea. But, I mean, <laughs> but what's the point? Have people seen CBC? Like, CBC's business model is to buy things that they think are undervalued, mm-hmm. package them together... And sell them on for a profit or, in about five yeah. years. It depends what they're doing, doesn't it? Like they're just making. Well, that's what they did with F1 anyway. Yeah, because yeah. they're talking about bidding well, on. Well, there is they're bidding on Toshiba. They're trying to buy Toshiba at the moment, <laughs> which is like a, well, yeah. a Japanese conglomerate that has fingers in multiple, multiple there's, different there's pies. Different ways to do things. Uh, I mean, for, in my mind, the Premiership deal is purely for one thing, one thing only. It's it's a it's to generate cash. It's like a it's a financial instrument. It's I don't think they're that bothered about the resale value. Obviously, they'd like that. And I don't, they I don't, I, they're not rugby aficionados, are they? they no, and sounds like neither is Darren Child, sadly. Uh, I think you put it nicely, Tim. Not a bad, not, not a bad bloke, probably a, fair, uh, a, a very decent man. Horrible appointment. Should never have happened, and I hope they learn this. I'd like to see someone like Mark Evans come in, who really has a great understanding of rugby, um, knows the, in, the ins and outs. I mean, there is not... I don't agree with Mark Evans with a lot, on a lot of things, but every single issue I've ever asked him about has been well considered. And I think that's really important. As long as someone's considered every single issue, you say, yeah, OK, that, that should be the guy that, that we go forward with. I'd love to see someone like, like that step up with the vision and the knowledge to be able to make uh, substantial changes in, in Premiership Rugby. So, as much, so I, I really enjoyed your Rugby Dungeon with Mark Evans. Um, and I, I really like Mark Evans every time I've, I've heard him speak. I am a bit disappointed, though, 
Because this should be the time when JB 2021 really gets going. Yeah, exactly right. But you're not going to throw your hat in the ring. Because th- this needs a commissioner, I think. Premiership yeah. rugby needs a commissioner. It needs someone who doesn't mind smashing, smashing through doors. Yeah, in a very sharply tailored blazer. Incredible, multiple sharply tailored fact, blazers. Yeah, at the same time. Yeah. That's what we want. Sometimes when there's, uh, you know, our premiership game, Let's just imagine that, that. So the Andre Esterhazen would be a great example because that took ages of the TMO and referee deciding. Like when it gets to a certain point, the entrance music comes on. <laughs> oh my god! And through the tunnel, the commissioner comes out and just with a red card <laughs> for the officials. Yeah, with, 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 my, with my replacement goon officials. Get them on! Get them on the field. Your replacement goon officials who are always looking in the wrong direction when a fight breaks out. <laughs> Although if JB, if JB did do that as commissioner it would never be to pull out a red card it would just be to get on the mic and go let the boys play let the boys play <laughs> yeah, indeed yeah I, I, I like that role I think that's a role which is designed for me actually perfect yeah so it was, you know, the whole thing's a bit of a farce I don't think he was, he, he was the right appointment I don't think I, I feel sorry for the people at Premiership Rugby so I think you're right people at the clubs knew this was going to happen because obviously they were agitating for it but I don't think the people who actually had to deal with the situation on the day knew about it and I think mm. that's a because Either they did, in which case they, they should have thought of something to say yeah, when it they, happens. They, right? yeah. But I'm willing to say that they didn't know. And that's a really tough break for them because this is their job and they've got to come up with a message, haven't they? They've got to do something. So you combine those two things and it's not particularly great for them. Mm. Um, is there anything else on Darren Childs? I, I just hope they, they make go, a, a good ne- next appointment. Yeah, go and watch those two videos, I'd say. Because yeah. you, you two both put out... Um, very strong cases. You made a lot of very good points, um, and more so than we could probably do um, right now. Yeah. I will say this one thing: whoever's next, whoever's head of Premiership Rugby next, it's not hard to love this sport. It's probably it was what in my mind, outside of the something like the NRL or uh, maybe the NFL, something like that. It's, it's an easy sell. How hard can it be to sell this sport? Mm. Like. What are we on now? One hour, 42 minutes. And we oh, my God, let's wrap this bloody yeah. thing up. Yeah, like, it is an easy sport to talk about. It's an easy sport to sell. There are so many storylines. There are so many narratives. If you run out of rugby, talk about puffins. Yeah, and talk about puffins. Exactly. It's not hard. It's not, you know, like even Worcester. Like the fact that nobody knows what's happening at Worcester. No one will ever know. The only way you'll know about what's happening at Worcester is if they happen to win games and they win a few column inches in in. Um, uh, in the press like that's a good story in itself people people should know and I don't think the Premiership do nearly enough to sell the storylines of all these teams I totally agree and I, I mm. get bored saying it rugby is about storytelling as all sport is and we don't you're right we don't do a very, we don't do a good job of it and as much as anything I think you need people that just enthuse about the sport itself. And that's why I, I started this podcast. I was buzzing to do this because there's so much great rugby I wanted to talk about and I wanted to get into. And you just get the sense sometimes that there's too many people in too prominent a position that just want to focus on other stuff except for enthusing about the sport that they're there <laughs> yeah. to get excited yeah. about. What is it that you're, that you're focusing so, on? So basically, in short, give us the gig. We'll yeah. sort it. Yeah. Perfect. JB 2021. Yeah, right now, right now, changes right now. <laughs> I'm, I'll be quite happy being a um, yeah. Can I be like communications type guy? Uh, yeah, uh, like yeah, the Dominic Cummins to your uh, to the Bojo. <laughs> I'll be I'll be I'll be Dominic Cummins. I, remember, I would love to see someone like from a different arena. Do you know, like the way they do in? Um, I know we've spoken about this before. Uh, Rugby league has their 
Like, like Claire Balding. The chairman, yeah. yeah. Or uh, Tony it. Adams. Or Andy Burnham was... Andy Burnham for... Yeah, did we talk, talk about that? We've, we've spoken about that in the past. Yeah. Ryan Giggs is a rugby fan. He might be at loose end soon. Moving on. Um, uh, let's get excited <laughs> about the rugby this weekend. We've got European semi-finals. Massive games. Friday night, we've got Leicester v Ulster. Your oh, beloved Ulster. Ulster. How do you see this one going down at Welford Road? Come on, Ulster. I'm, I'm, I'm buoyed by the fact that Leicester have had two bad defeats. Mm. I would be buoyed by that. I thought Leicester would beat you. Now I don't. Yeah. And Namani Nandolo running at Michael Lowry. I'm worried for the, for the guy. Yeah, just put uh, Stockers and McCloskey on the wing. It'd be yeah. fine. Uh, and he- probably Hendel on the wing as well, just to be sure. Yeah. Bit of extra insurance. Uh, yeah, give me Ulster. I think this is going to be a really good game. I'm, I'm oh, actually really looking forward to it. I'm a little bit nervous. Um, I think Leicester... Uh, they are... They've got a lot of things in place um, to be able to turn it around. Um, namely, a very good pack, an experienced pack, massive South African back row, um, and George Ford. Um, and <laughs> that alone can win you a lot of games. So I am nervous about this. I think it'll be very, very close, but give me Ulster by three points. Ulster by a score. Mm. Ulster. Come on, Ulster. Uh, on to Saturday. Let's stick with the Challenge Cup. Uh, yep. the, the Saturday night game is Bath Montpellier. So Zach yep. Mercer against his future employer. And the, the two these teams are so similar. Yeah, give They're me so Bath. similar. I mean, Montpellier are full of big names and or coach terribly, and Bath are like Montpellier. <laughs> <laughs> they are. They, this is the English and French versions of each other. Yeah, um, far more talent than. than their league position historically justifies. What's an easier job? Director of Rugby at Bath or Chief Exec at Premier, Premier Rugby? Ooh. Um, I don't know. I could. I think Bath under me today could have lost against Wasps. <laughs> I, think, I think we could have done that. Yes. Um, I also think I could have been dismissed from Premier Rugby in the post of confidence. <laughs> so. um, hmm, give me Bath. French teams, Montpellier don't really care about the competition. I, they don't travel that well. I Give me think Bath. Bath might sneak this one as well. And yeah, no, yeah, but, their, 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 their situation at ten is a concern. As, as promising yeah. as Orlando Bailey is, they, I mean, you wonder how different this things might be right now had Reese Priestland not got injured. Mm. I'm not sure it'd be that much different. He was playing really well. He was kicking He's, well. He was kicking well. He, he, kicking he was really well. he was playing pretty well as well because he's got the talent outside him. It's just. He doesn't need to do that much to yeah. get Jonathan Joseph or Anthony Watson or Will Muir, who's playing really well. Will Muir's eggs. How have they got? They've got so many players that I admire. Like I, I know. I'm scared to ask. I'm scared to ask why because Byron McGuigan's nickname is Horse. Yeah. Will Muir's nickname is Horse. Why? Why are they called Horse? Because <laughs> <laughs> they like to gallop around. Yeah. Yeah. Great runners, thoroughbreds. Okay, good, glad we sorted that one out. Good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we're all going Ulster narrowly. We're all going Bath narrowly. Yes. yes. Okay. Uh, so to the Champions Cup then. And on Saturday we've got the All-French Affair. Toulouse-Bordeaux. Uh, no idea. Why don't you pick one for me? Toulouse. Toulouse. There you go, Toulouse Toulouse. It is. Toulouse. I'd like, I want to see Toulouse win, so that's, that, yeah. that'll, that'll be fine for me. I think, I think Toulouse will win, but Bordeaux are a very difficult team to break down. Uh, and, and they've got some talent as well. Um, they are no mugs, as, as Bristol found out. Untermac v Jalabert. Yeah. Tasty little match-up. The Battle of the French Tens. Yeah. Yeah, love it. And then on Sunday, the final game, and save the best till last. This is huge. It is, and it, 
I, I'm going to ask the question, but I assume the answer is no. There are there are not going to be any um, fans in La Rochelle, are there? No, no. I think so. Yeah, most Pretty certain because that would be even more special having this. Oh, I say, say save the best till last. No, it hasn't saved the best till last. The Saturday game will be closer than this. I still think Leinster are going to do a job on. Well, Marshall. that's I, so. But you got were, it's the Ogara Leinster thing is cool. Yeah, the Ogara Leinster, but we're fans in because La Rochelle are obviously very, very well supported. Leinster are incredibly well supported, particularly for big European away days. So this would be an amazing spectacle. Oh, be incredible. Um, the sun coming out as well, April. On the west coast of France, this would be an amazing game with with fans in the stadium. Unfortunately, we won't get that. I think it'll still be a good game because, like you say, the the Ogara connection. Um, Ogara being is confirmed. He's um, taking, on a three year deal. Taking the helm with the, uh, John, the, yeah, John, John, John Gibbs, Gibbs going to, going Clermont. to Clermont. Yes, um, and La Rochelle are a very good team. Uh, as um, JB's beloved sale found out mm. to their detriment, they've mm. got a massive nasty pack, but still with guys like Victor Vito and Aldrit who've got the skill level as well. They've got potency and power in the back line. They are a serious, serious outfit. So I think I think this will be a, an awesome game. Um, with all that said, Leinster have just been here and done it so many times before. So give me Leinster. Just Leinster by three points. So we're saying it's going to be Ulster Bath Challenge Cup final. Yeah. And a Toulouse Leinster. Leinster. The classic. The cla- El the, Clasico. Yeah. But the battle for the fifth star. Has it ever. I can't. Has that ever happened before, as in these two in the final? Maybe in the early. No, no not I even. Think so. No. Because so. their period of, yeah. of dominance was the early 2000s like and the, the, the. Yeah, it's like the. 2009 the, to. It's like the Greek Empire and the Roman Empire. They. They're two. Incredible periods for those those uh, civilizations, but they they didn't quite they, cross they, over. They never crossed over. Yeah, it's like those hypothetical. And I quite like doing this. Cause I'm a bit of a um, who would win an eagle or a snake? Uh, no, <laughs> bit of a hist- bit of a history nerd, and I quite like uh, military as well. But just sort of going, who would have won out of this army or that army? If all things were recalled. It's all about logistics. Yeah, all of that, all of that jazz. <laughs> well, tell me See, about guns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, talking of which, I am talking to... Can I give a plug to a different podcast? Um, tomorrow, we are doing Dave Waddington, who was captured in... Um, he, he served in the RAF and, and was captured in Iraq. So we're, so we're interviewing him. Which wow. Are they having the services games, actually, this year? Cool have they had them? I don't know. Oh, that's on pilot episodes. Pod, uh, pod, oh podcast. yeah, sorry. Yeah. But just because uh, we got to this, I'm, I'm, an, I'm, I, I've got my navy shirt. I've mm-hmm. got my Royal Navy rugby shirt. Your Air Force All fit, the fills, and you're wearing, you're wearing uh, sand and <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Khaki now, yeah, camo. Exactly. Uh, yeah, the Air Force did rather well last year. It was a year, year before because obviously COVID destroyed it all. But the army are always prohibitive favourites. Always. Mm. So I'm just looking back for the Leinster Toulouse final. So between 2008 and 2012, Leinster and Toulouse were in every single one of the finals. So there's five finals in those years. They didn't meet each other. Wow! <laughs> it was Toulouse Munster, which Munster won. Leinster beat Tigers in the uh, Tuolagi um, Shane Horgan standoff oh, final yeah. in 2009. Toulouse then beat Biarritz. Leinster beat Northampton. Uh, and Leinster beat Ulster in 2012. So, 
out of five finals, they made it every single year in that period, but never against each other. Incredible stuff. Mm. Oh, do you know what? As uh, I'm going to let Ugo have the last word. <laughs> Where is he? Where is he? Where's our boy? Uh, thank you very much for watching uh, and or listening. Uh, thank you very much. If you haven't already, hit subscribe. Oh, one final thing. Pick a winner of a shirt. Oh, you, yes. Have you posted them? We keep forgetting. I've posted one, the other one which, I'm waiting which, for. A... Which of my shirts are you giving away now? Uh, no, which of our shirts? <laughs> um, which of I'm our shirts? And plus, this is for all the wonderful people that support on Patreon. One of the ways we uh, Don't make give it back is... Don't having... make it hurt too much. So, see, I've got loads of... Um... Oh, no, we were going to do a... Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, a TJ Paranara jersey. Oh, yeah, take Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, Hurricanes in the corner. Yeah, okay, yeah. But, hurricanes from the Lions year. There you go. It was yeah. special commemorative of Lions T- Because we were talking about TJ Perinara last week, and then we totally forgot to pick a winner. Okay, you've got, got, got a winner? We have got, let me just hit return on this. Ooh, we are number 357. Which, Patron number 357. Well, let me just go down... This is on my list, 357. Patreon.com forward slash egg chasers. Thank now, you very the much problem support. with this... Uh, prior, priority access to live tickets when we can get back out live again. I'm not going to say... So, we do not have, for 357, we do not have a um, uh, address. We have an email address, but no address. But we, we can get that. Well, so we it, can email for the address. It, Just is, it. it, is, it is JP. That uh, is Julian Pollock. Julian Pollock, well you've got a TJ Perinara, well done, Perinara well jersey. Done. Well played. Uh, so, yeah, if you haven't already, uh, go check us out. There's a video of us getting hammered in Romania. That's on, oh on there God. right now. Just go and check that out, if nothing else. <laughs> um, and, yeah, Twitter, if you're on that cesspit, take a break from slagging off James Haskell and come follow us at Rugby Podcast. He's at Jay Beardmore. I'm at Cocker. Phil is lurking. And um, what do you want to say? You go to end the podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.